0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight. It's finally here. The comics of Trek. That's right. Star Trek comics, of course. We're joined by a very special guest today. But before I introduce him, I'm going to just introduce my usual co-host, Paul. Hello. And Matt. How are you doing? And we are also joined by... Paul Albra otherwise known as Professor Elemental. How are you doing
1: sir? Hello, thanks very much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Did I get your name right? You there? did indeed, like I'm, I'm just okay. yeah, delighted to be out of the house <laughs> is nice and to be out of the house talking about comics I'm delighted. Well I'm over the moon. Yeah, it's really really great because this is something kind of you probably don't get to do that often. But yeah, but well, if I'm ever on a podcast it's normally on a pretend airship talking about my imaginary monkey or whatever, <laughs> which is lovely, don't get me wrong, that's how I, that's how I live my life. But it's nice to kind of explore some other areas, and particularly like a world of comics that I don't know very well. I didn't know very well until you forced me to read them. Until I <laughs> forced you
0: to Star Trek comics. Yeah, that's right. So we're the Star Trek podcast that views things from a non-Trekky perspective. And one thing I really was passionate about doing when we started this podcast is some Star Trek comics because I am a massive comic book nerd. Yeah, well, I've
2: the- never had any comics. Sorry, Star Trek comics ever crossed
0: your door before this is the first uh no 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 i i had read some star trek comics in the past i had an exposure and this is the thing because before this podcast i wasn't into star trek however the fact that i was into comics so much had led me to read some star trek comics because they are so prevalent there is a case of also for some reason the local libraries um, way back in the day, the majority of comics were Star Trek comics in the local library. Oh,
2: how things have changed! Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't
0: know why that is
2: anymore.
0: Libraries, you say? Isn't that amazing? What is this haven for free goods? <laughs> but randomly, no. like those were the comics available in the library, so I did end up mm. reading quite a few just out of desperation for more <laughs> yeah. comics. Well, I was going to say Liam, because my comics history is very much entwined with you. How we normally say about Trek credentials is wondering what. One's comics credentials are so you in particular like how where your love of comics began because mine is basically when I used to live with you I borrowed a bunch and but yeah none of the Star Trek like you say yes yeah, so no I didn't actually own any Star Trek comics uh, didn't go that far but uh, in terms of my love of comics that Kind of goes right back pretty much to the beginning I, can't, I genuinely can't remember what my first comic was mm. um, I remember it was kind of my dad that got me into comics my dad was an artist and stuff so not a comic book artist but um, he was into the uh, comic book art form and so he got me into comics first um, probably started I was four or five yeah something like that and so and it's just developed and developed ever since Um, because I think about the the entire like series from begin to end that I've done through you including like Why the Last Man yeah Bone Preacher uh, Invincible uh, so many Walking Dead Walking Dead yeah yeah. so many you've opened Hitman Hitman 100 Bullets oh uh, man yeah I know these are all just ones because we we used to live together of course it would just lend you like massive graphic novel collections of everything get you into all these Massive Like comp Ultimate runs. Spider-Man the Ultimate run yeah yeah. yeah yeah. It's
1: good to have Someone like that though Isn't it It's good to have A nerd friend yeah, Who he can go like, right I can, I can filter this for you yeah. I'm much the same now mm. With sort of stuff on Netflix I can't be asked <laughs> Looking at new stuff On Netflix I need a nerd friend Who's watched everything Tell me what to watch So that, that and that Everything else can clear off I love absolutely. it it's
2: When you wrote Lenny Buffy and Angel But you had a pre-written Kind of episode <laughs> listing That you okay. said You need to watch it In this particular order To make it all make sense Yes so yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind, You know, back and forth between different discs. Cause that's the kind of friendly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
0: the one. The one who makes sure you don't miss any crossovers. Exactly. Like, uh, as for comics, for you, Paul, you're pretty novice. you did like, you you? Have, did you you did, you like some Star Wars comics in you back in the day.
2: I, still, I got some, some Star Wars weeklies. That I just picked up like because they were Star Wars. But this was like you know when I was about eight or nine. So right. When I you know um, I think actually. You know, you take, you know um, sort of having comics. That I was actually reading as I was growing up. We probably ended with like Rupert Bear. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually but, you know, saw the annual, like, back in you know uh, in a charity shop or something and recently. I was like, this really takes me back. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, yeah. Just it wasn't an art form that kind of like grabbed me. I guess it's just uh, you know the Star Wars weeklies were, were just the only kind of like one offs I had, just because they were extra stories.
1: And they weren't quite so ubiquitous as well. I mean, I'm a bit older than you guys, but yeah. when you were younger, you now they're everywhere and they're mm. stamped on everything. But they weren't. They were you're either into them or not when you were a kid. And it was very as much as a library thing as well. Well. Yeah, and it's funny. I remember because
0: I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I was about ten or eleven or whatever age, I wrote a comic adaptation of what I imagined Resident Evil three to be. <laughs> yeah. So the first two Resident what Evil was games imagined, yeah, yeah. So Resident Evil one, Resident Evil two were out, but this is pre Resident Evil three, which obviously then existed from ninety nine onwards. And I wrote a comics adaptation of what might Al be
1: playing the be. game, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. it was before it was announced, and, and I that think, exists. adaptation for the original screenplay. To be honest The amount of things Being adapted at the moment For TV It's only a matter of time before somebody gives you a call says we want that script I've got to find it What about you Paul How did you get into comics just It's been an absolute constant Through my whole life Through a world That I didn't really understand The one thing That I've always really got Is comics yeah, so when I, I was,
0: understand what you mean
1: When <laughs> I was a kid, When I was really little My grandma worked In the newsagents And there were lots of Weekly comics back then So they'd throw out, they'd throw out The old ones And I used to get them So I had an unusual amount of them coming in. And I think the exotic stuff from America... We had relatives in America, and occasionally I went over there. And all of the sort of adverts and things that you'd see, the idea of going to America and all of the stuff within it, the weird toys and sea monkeys and Twinkie hostess cakes, all the strange stuff from the sort of 70s and 80s, that used to fascinate me, I think, as much as the comics, really. So they were always quite sort of... They were kind of sort of safe and also slightly exotic growing up. And then, of course, I was in the era where comics then started getting all... Grown up, and you had Alan Moore and Grant Morrison mm. doing stuff for the first time, so I'd be like sort of 12 years old reading early Alan Moore, just having it blow my mind. Yeah, it was just yeah, yeah. you know being utterly terrified and completely changed by these amazing comics. <laughs> you were the precipice, <laughs> I of was, a like changing era. was a great change, it a great media yeah, exactly because that, that really was
0: well. Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, these are kind of like the benchmarks Definitely. that completely changed everything. Uh, and it, it's funny actually because, yeah. By all means, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will have already heard of you already, um, in your guise as Professor Elemental, but can you, Tell our listeners a little bit What it
1: is you do Oh yeah Because it's you know, I, I, you know It's fairly niche What I do So I'm assuming A lot of people won't Have any clue okay. I was, oh, Who is this guy <laughs> Who <what> is I'm <laughs> 10 hey, um, minutes Trying to explain <laughs> To a
2: housemate Have you been yeah. on Star Trek If
1: not Yeah it's exactly uh, So in my day job As it were I'm a rapper I'm a hip hop MC But I do rap music uh, Predominantly for Nerds really um, In the guise Of Professor Elemental Who is a time travelling Victorian professor Kind of like Doctor Who if he was shit <laughs> and had a big orangutan for a butler uh, so that's, that's the thing that's what I yeah exactly so lots lots of songs about um, sort of steampunk things but also lots of things about you know, um, making your way through a confusing world when you're a nerd so I try and make really optimistic um, strange hip hop music because so I love hip hop but I can't do gangster or battle stuff because I'm a middle class middle aged white man so it seems much more appropriate that I do very silly music so that's kind of comics feed into that quite a lot I've even done I've worked with people like um, Charlie Adlard and Brian Kessinger to make my own comics and shout out to Chris Mole who writes all the uh, Professor Elemental comics so everything that's the nice thing about nerdy things isn't it they all Mm. tie in one way and another like doing hip hop has led me into making my own comics being into comics leads me into doing this Star Trek podcast it all ties in really nicely
0: what was it like seeing your alter ego have that extended life because I understand you've uh, professor of Mental, the characters, appeared on a few animated shows as
1: well. Yeah, he's done, I've done some Disney work. I was on Phineas and Ferb as a little guest star on that, which was a real treat. And I've done um, some voices for um, Disney cartoons and other bits and pieces. Actually,
2: actually stepping into the world of Jules Verne, like a, sort of a spin-off of Jules Verne. In, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. me, somewhere I mean, in the thing. middle. It's like, yeah, one day we'll finally crack a hundred you know, around the world in
1: like 80 days. Like that, <laughs> exactly yeah. that. And just having that extended sort of character as well, it's quite nice. It's quite a nice way to explore creative stuff, to have a lens to constantly focus it through um, yeah I'm delighted like the, the little sort of eight year old nerd comic reader in me is delighted that mm. I get to you know play around in cartoons and that but There's a lovely quote From Grant Morrison Who's a bit of a nutcase But he always talks about um, Putting on his fiction suit And making himself Sort of fictional And that's basically What I've tried to do With the professor Try and make um, my real self A little bit more fictional Yeah Is it
0: like Every You know Years go by And current events change And you think You know You've got this character To fall back on And be like What
1: does the prof
0: Think about X and Y and Z And
1: I think I just go further off As the world gets darker I'm, I'm retreating further off Into my own reality Where eventually it used to be a character where I pretend to be this mad old man, I'm just becoming a mad old man. <laughs> and soon I'll get my own tumble-down mansion and I'll shout at a monkey that isn't there, and that'll be my life. But you seem <laughs> British, but you also said optimistic, and I like
2: those two things being
1: together again. Like uh, it's not something That's true actually, and I quite like balancing those two things as yeah. well. It's interesting when you go to America, course, I do quite a lot of shows in the States, and of course I do consider myself quite optimistic, my music's quite sunny, but of course we're so horrible to each other, things <laughs> that I say on stage, stage sometimes that uh, British audience might laugh at you know we're, we're horrible I forget <laughs> that sometimes America's like why do you hate us so much like, <laughs> <"No, no, laughs> honestly I, that's how I tell you I like you I call you all idiots it's just like <laughs> whereas we laugh and go this will never happen this, this utopia
0: you speak of. <laughs> I find it really interesting actually that you say um, about how you found basically a way to do hip hop away from the kind of traditional kind of style because of the fact that you really Realise you were a middle class white man, you <laughs> therefore couldn't just do nor help And sometimes that's the thing: that like our limitations on us actually breed creativity.
1: That is exactly it. And I'd say the same to anybody who's struggling with any creative stuff. Listening to this, because you know, I'm sure most people who listen to a Star Trek podcast have got their own creative stuff going on. Whatever is your weakest point is normally the, 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 the your thing biggest strength. Totally, apart, yeah, totally yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, still trying to find my. It's so annoying on the film <laughs> still course. trying to find my weakest point. I mean, <laughs> I <laughs> That's I'm the, the problem. Know, like,
2: I'm Find like how to turn my like my like, completely boring life into like you know where it was like at film school we had uh, people from the refugees and from other countries have been for all this shit in their life and it was, why like, can't I be a refugee? It's like, you know, it's like, where, where's my drama in my life? You know, like, just like, oh, this such a sad.
0: One. And now you're hosting a Star Trek podcast, so like <laughs> yeah, things aren't looking
1: good. Right?
0: We'll, we'll find it by the end of the show. So don't worry. We, right? We were also Matt was mentioning about Star Trek yes. credentials. This is something we. Ask yes. all guests. Star Trek credentials When we say that What Star Trek have you seen What is your Awareness of it What is your Relationship with it, it if, it's, if it's not at all That's fine
1: we're, we're, like, we're friends Who used to know Each other in uni <laughs> We hang out for a bit And get stoned But we haven't really Spoken for a while like, we'll, we'll connect Every so often I'll check in And see what Star Trek's doing But we, I'm, not, I'm not Fully immersed In the universe And actually Something I wanted to say Before we get into All the comics For any proper um, Fans listening I'd like to make A disclaimer And it ties into what I was saying about how horrible British people are about things they love. some of the comics that you made me read i didn't like and i'm going to be quite horrible about them if you really love star trek and you hear that and you go i love that comic what who is this twat who doesn't even know anything just know that it's coming from i'm aware that when people don't know your your sort of nerd culture your subculture as well um, from the outside it can sound like they're kind of hating on it um and then you know it's very much whatever i said coming from a position of love or indeed ignorance and if you really get annoyed with things that i I say, do your own podcast and talk about how much you hate like Silver Age DC comics, 70s horror films, or 90s rap music, and then you'll have your revenge on me. Like, <laughs> I must say,
0: when you said. The comics, you made me read. You said it with real hatred on your face. Yeah, I just, just you, got that that. No, I, I had so much quality
1: literature, piles of it, waiting to be read. And there was the little pile of Star Trek going, you've got to read me, Paul. You've got to read me next. The date's coming. You've had me for a month, Paul. You've got to read Star Trek, the animated series meets the Transformers. Can't read that new Alan Moore comic. Oh, right. Forget Alan
0: Moore. Why do you need Alan Moore when you have The Planet of No Return, which is the first story we're going to be talking about today. This is from Star Trek number one, the first ever Star Trek comic published in July 1967 by Gold Key Comics.
2: Out of interest, like, is it, does it go for as much as Spider-Man number one?
0: Uh, sadly not. I've like, for a fair bit
2: though.
0: First fair bit, really. um, I don't actually know how much this would go for on the open market. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the fetching the prices of Action Comics number one or anything along those lines. Well, um, I but would it, suggest it would be worth a fair bit of cash. As but yeah, I, I would have thought a good a mint. Condition, a graded mint condition copy yeah. of Star Trek Number One, not I thrown think, into a collection like we have. Yeah, I think yeah. you. Yeah, I should say I am not holding in my hands <laughs> a graded mint condition copy of Star Trek Number One. This is a reprint, uh, very kindly made by IDW, who currently hold the Star Trek license for comics. They uh, printed a gold key, hundred page spectacular uh, with Star Trek Number One and also two other issues of the Gold Key comics which I didn't make you guys read hmm. um even
1: that actually to be fair the other ones are probably better than the one I did make you read I didn't mind it actually um, I felt after that reading that I felt a bit more optimistic about the pile to be honest that's the yeah, first one I read yeah. and, and that uh, optimism was soon <laughs> destroyed yeah later it was but there was a brief moment where I, I was kind of I thought it was quite a good idea big planet of man-eating plants I was yeah, on board with are you, that are you going
2: to be able to synopsize every one of these is that a word synopsize synopsize, yeah. synopsize. I'm give it going. Synopsis.
1: Uh, uh,
0: synopsis. Uh, so just, just remind us and I think we should take We should take it in turn to synopsize them. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. So. If someone else can synopsize this this one, (laughs) this does have something to do with cannibal plants, right? Which I I already brought up as a logic point because that suggests that it eats other plants. It's basically this is cannibal. The original crew, because obviously 1967, this is a year after Star Trek started on television. This is the original crew: Kirk, Spock, Bones, beaming down to a planet full of cannibal plants. Indeed, and
2: uh, yeah, it felt very 50s, like like Forbidden Planet or something like that, didn't it? Because the interesting background to this one is that they, um, the people who wrote these comics, all they had to go on was like some stills. Yeah, you know? that's right. Because it's so early on, isn't it? Like it's barely even airing, so they're exactly. It's the really... show itself hasn't found it. its like because you, you look through that first season and they they still haven't kind of locked down the uniform till like yeah. episode ten or something like that. And there's you
1: know what they were just wearing different stuff each time. Yeah, it's well, like oh, I'm gonna wear a suit yeah. this time, i wearing my I, pajamas.
2: Definitely, like, the collar changed a few times, and so they like they probably were going by this, and they've come up completely strange colours that kind of thing so it does feel like all of its own yeah. all of its own universe you always. get a sense yeah. the artist has barely even watched the show yet and doesn't know what their faces look like <laughs> <laughs> well-
0: there's a really good article in the back of this, don't know if any of you guys read it, um, but it's by a Star Trek comics expert uh, called Joseph uh, Barreto, um, who I've actually spoken to online, um, and he wrote New Life and New Civilizations Exploring Star Trek Comics, and so he's written kind of an essay in the back of this about these uh, comics and he actually said that um, the writers of the comic only had the show series Bible and a bit of input from Roddenberry himself in order to actually write this they didn't
2: Which watch thing. any episodes They disregarded.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, because it's like nothing yeah. like what Roddenberry would want I mean, well yeah let's let's Ooh, get yeah, to yeah, that yeah. <laughs> so,
2: oh this is the one with the epic ending yeah yeah but this yeah, is the yeah, one with the epic I was thinking like this must be one of the only shows
0: especially of the time that it's like airing on TV and Anne has a spin-off comic series to its name
2: simultaneously back in the 60s as well I can't imagine many other shows had like yeah. I don't know I it was, about, it was
1: about the era where TV shows did start getting made into comics the band from Uncle and Batman and Greenhorn and all that kind of stuff they're all coming up but this, the comic owes a, that story owes a lot to the sort of 50s and 60s monster comics there were these old big Jack Kirby monsters of kind of like Glaucoma the giant eyeball or you know Alan the tree <laughs> that walked like a man and just these huge <laughs> things that would rise from the depths and that's, that's kind of a little bit like that in that Star Trek comic Well it does
2: have like the best red shirt death of all time now I don't know if you've Oh yes, yeah, yeah i with that concept. So this one gets- eaten by a plant that comes a tree and then fucks up a baddie like <laughs> it, it comes, yes it comes back as a tree to avenge the and save his crewmates doesn't it? he yeah, yeah. like, so it's not just like you know um, Jimmy steps on a mine and never see him again it's like he comes back
1: yeah if you got to go that's the yes. alright way in fact that's how I want to go I've got that written in my will <laughs> to be eaten when by when a I tree I started reading this it was very much
0: like oh I assume this is going to be like what the anime series later did where they could go really big with ideas that they couldn't get away in live action, you know, and this is going to be comics focusing
1: on these big. They totally ideas. did that in that one, and they did. That's what oh, I'm yeah, saying. So like, um,
2: oh yeah, no, it's like it's small. It was all <laughs> set in one room. And I'm like, no, this is the kind of like stories that I imagine. in yeah. Comic book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, can you guys just read out the first page for me? If there's three, there's a narrator. And two rolls there. So if you if you take one okay, of the rolls okay I'm sliding to rate. Uh-huh. Okay. <sighs> the rate Uh
1: huh. Okay.
2: The suction field is being created by a, a, a giant cannibal plant
1: Ch- trying to break free, or that awesome thing would devour us all. It was the strangest civilization in the known universe, more awesome than the mind could conceive, and the expedition team from the starship USS Enterprise soon regretted their decision to explore KG. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, what I want to try and do for our listeners is try and bring some of these comics to life a little bit every so often. Um, So I think that gives you the kind of idea, of the kind of
1: comic we're dealing with here. You were saying you're a lover of Silver Age, uh, Paul, and I would say this is very in line with kind of Silver Age comics. Very much so. Well, that's the thing. I I grew up with all these amazing comics coming out but now my taste is awful. I really like just terrible comics from the 50s and 60s with just really weird covers and strange ideas. Um, And that definitely It fits into that category i thought it was all right i mean the art's all a little bit shoddy but it's got it's got that kind of throwaway appeal of like here's a big idea that's the end goodbye next thing
0: i (laughs) quite like that it feels very pulpy doesn't it in the dialogue like the dialogue's either very kind of pulpy or in the action scenes it's just very much a running commentary of what is happening like oh no i'm being eaten
2: right now and it's like yeah (laughs) Yeah. direct quotes great hannah And suffering solar showers. So I mean, oh, and Spock saying "May luck be with you," yeah. predating Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> so much better. They don't know what his catchphrases yeah. yet. So you know, they quite think, got quite down the vernacular of Star Trek as it would later become. They're also, very more militaristic as well. I found the uh, yeah, the whole setup. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: can we talk about the ending? Yeah. Yes, yes. We This is the Elizabeth if the you're listening to this, you might you can probably feel the tension that really <laughs> we're all talking about these plants, but what we all want to talk about is the last two panels.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So we were talking about... Uh, Paul was mentioning how they must have completely dismissed uh Gene Roddenberry's input <laughs> as the ending is probably the most un-Roddenberry thing you'll ever read or see within Star Trek. Um So usually kind of like in Star Trek I would say you know they follow the Prime Directive they don't interfere with other cultures try and find a peaceful solution saving life it's all about the UN and stuff like that yeah exactly saving lives. so they meet these kind of plant cannibal monsters and you think the kind of characters we know um, from Star Trek very peaceful people they probably try and kind of you know make peace with them or change their ways. it's not like the plant people are personified as raging monsters they're clearly their own race and yeah People. yeah yeah, so I mean really maybe they should either try and make peace and bring them into the Federation or kind of perhaps just leave them be yeah. what, what do you What do you I think? think
2: that they would just classify the planet as like a danger and then we just yeah. go put a sign Definitely. outside saying just
1: keep on moving is that what they do in Star Trek I haven't seen it enough Star Trek <laughs> to know they that the, yeah, they've the, they the, done that a few episodes have like, they just put a sign up tell <laughs> them I to go near it. it's fucking rubbish just outside floating the you know, like <laughs> a stop
2: sign like please read this inscription and carry on but it was um, yeah because they write Seven or whatever it is, it's the one one from
1: the pilot. I think that needs reading out. I think the (laughs) The ending really Um, does need reading. Well, uh, Spock is
0: asked what is the solution to these cannibal plants on this planet. And he says, We must orbit that hideous little globe until all foliage upon it is decimated by our laser beams. I have set course for the mission already. Captain's log, Stardate eighteen ten one. We are orbiting the planet Kelly Green, performing what will be our last duty there—total destruction, a mission that must be fulfilled before we can continue our tour of research through the vast reaches <laughs> the of the universe. And the final panel is the Enterprise raining down laser death. On all inhabitants. Like, bloody apocalypse. Now. Oh, oh, yes. Like, here's a firestorm. Egg.
2: carnage, right.
0: You can see here all the animal bar creatures on fire.
1: Screaming. Scream. Scream. Scream.
0: Um So, yeah, I mean, that's and That's the final panel. Fit.
1: <laughs> I think they should have done that more in Star Trek. I think any boring planets, they should just have vaporized them. How much better some of the series would have been if they just deleted a few If you never quite ones. knew whether they'd be like, yeah, we'll be cool or we'll just completely kill you well I, I appreciate that you know Star Trek like a lot of science fiction was a, was a vision of how good we could possibly be at our absolute best but if Star Trek was more in line with how humanity generally works it would be more like that wouldn't it yes. it would be more like oh I didn't understand that let's kill it move so, on sadly yes
0: because a threat yeah. you must
1: destroy it first um,
0: does it not
2: kill it anyway well this I mean there is precedent in the first season where they do end up like eliminating like the alien um, like as. The episode where um, McCoy's getting kissed by that like um, alien that turns into that has all the suckers suckers on its face and is t- taking all the salt, and they Not they, sure they, 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 they vaporised that one and also the one for Charlie X who was basically the rapey. Teenager, oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they decided you know transform into
1: nothingness. I mean, he sound, I mean, I haven't seen it, but he sounds like that's probably no great loss. I, I mean, <laughs> in the age of me too. He really deserves
0: vaporisation, doesn't but me, even though, 60s, he? In the sixties, he's vaporised. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, okay, so. What are our overall thoughts About Player and No Return are we Is it thumbs up
1: Thumbs down I'm giving it I'm
0: giving it a big
1: thumbs up I, Okay yeah, cool. I really enjoyed it for, for what it was Putting it in Like all things with comics You mm. know in Putting it in context I thought it was a nice Little sort of um, Nugget of times gone by
0: Yeah It was a real uh, oddity Of like Yeah they haven't quite got What Star Trek becomes But it is a fun Pulpy adventure With Yeah With the uh, Like It's an ending I can get behind Like I love it Yeah <laughs>
2: I <laughs> need <laughs> I fucking like creatures <laughs> uh, yeah if you take Star Trek out of it like I'm I think this is a relo- lot of fun and um, it did remind me like these kind of like small kind of self-contained sort of sci-fi stories that would be sort of in my Star Wars Weekly my only comic experience here but they would be like Stan Lee's Tales of the Watchers or something yeah there. it's all
1: that sort of stuff isn't yeah,
0: it,
2: and, you it know, like, a like a future those. shocks or
0: something yeah, yeah. And, like, so in that sense I liked it yeah I mean like, it's, it is fun and the ending however mental it is is also fun so like yeah, yeah I I agree it's, it's one of those weird ones. I actually thought the likenesses, considering if the artists hadn't even seen the show, I didn't think the likenesses were that awful um, of the main characters. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a kind of weird, fun little curio. A lot it? of action, yeah, yeah, yeah. And funny enough, you were mentioning kind of uh, things like Green Hornet and stuff like Ooh. that. Uh, comics, TV shows, Gold Key, the company they were most famous for, basic licensed properties. Uh. If you, they basically made comics of every TV show going, they had. The Lone Ranger, mm. Twilight, Zone. Mm, Twilight, so, um, Twilight Zone. I think they did do a Green Hornet comic as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, they did a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but they had that license for quite a long time and the the license for making Star Trek comics really shifts around as we'll hear as far as Um, I
1: can see everybody has a go
0: yeah pretty much Star Trek's
1: just a floozy isn't it they will sell themselves they will sell Kirk and Spock to of the lowest bidder pretty much everyone in the game has a
0: go at some point or another Um, but Gold Key kept it for a while they kept producing uh, Star Trek comics right into the kind of mid 70s like so they kept the fire alight Mm. while uh, Star Trek got cancelled And then the animated series came along and everything. But then um, that went away. Uh, There were no Star Trek Trek comics for a while. And then Marvel... Uh, pick up the license When Star Trek The Motion Picture Comes out They published A adaptation So you were like that man Of Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, As a springboard For a whole New series Of Star Trek Adventures How Set How did that like, in the, Yeah, the, yeah Were well, they doing The classic Like here's the prequel Comic in the lead up To Motion, well, motion No no It wasn't prequel This is a, a proper Adaptation of the right. film um, Which Have you seen
1: see Motion Picture Oh board. my god Can you imagine A comic Of that film <laughs> <hell?
0: laughs> You know, a lot of hell hell. For yeah, that five pages. Really, uh, I should really say, Paul. Really docking. Comic. docking. <laughs> uh, our Paul is the big defender of that movie. Really? I, don't so, I, I see where you're
2: coming from. I'm just like saying, <laughs> I like it. Like, nice. I saw.
1: I saw it young as a child, but I think I've sort of repressed my memories, like a like a memory of abuse. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I can probably get at it with counselling, but I don't want to go there.
2: Well, it's naturally it's naturally our pilot episode
0: of this podcast, but we are going to hopefully revisit it. This yeah, year. yeah, we
1: are planning um, to the go back to it for forty.
0: Anniversary, so we'll see if a revisitation uh, does anything to perk it up a bit. But um, next, after yeah, they did the motion picture adaptation, they then uh, published an 18 issue run based in post motion picture continuity, all nicely collected by our friends at IDW. Once again, I've got a copy of the Star Trek Omnibus Volume 1 here. We picked um, a few out of this book, didn't we? Well, yeah, basically, it was we picked one to kind of actually concentrate on, right. but there, there's just a few because this is really a golden age of covers in comics where 100%. you know, where this is a time where you still have speech bubbles on the covers. Uh, there's some very funny, usually, they are not representative of what's actually happening within the comic. Um, so, the first one here is because they skip the motion picture adaptation, go straight to number four, which is the first original story uh, The Haunting of Phallus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole the haunting of Thalius <laughs> um, And the first issue here Is set in within a haunted house The Starship Enterprise's Weirdest voyage And <laughs> it's got what looks like The Grim Reaper here And then <laughs> Kirk And I don't know, maybe that's Bones When he check off,
2: shooting at the Grim Reaper Well I think he's trying to shoot that woman But I just missed <laughs>
1: <laughs> But Spock goes, uh, Jim and there's another monster behind them. To be um, fair, that would draw me in as a kid. I'm not, you know, I think I would be intrigued by that weird mashup of funky gold uniforms. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: yeah, I mean, I think what's cool
1: about it is because
0: they're clearly in like, a haunted house vibe, but out of the window you can see the Enterprise. So you're like, this is a haunted house in space. So that's actually pretty cool.
2: But I do Do you this think already better than the Halloween special <laughs> that we watch, so Do
0: you think Spock would say, uh, Jim? I don't <laughs> think he'd say, uh, I think he might just say,
2: <laughs>
0: like, um, uh. so so that's not the one we're going to talk about. There's uh, loads of great covers. There is one about edition. a bunch of like maniac little gnomes that I did read. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you. How read did it...
1: you not make me read the gnome one? Well, did I make this me read was the, the thing because <laughs> I
0: I read I read a few, all of these to try and select one basically, and we ummed and umdenard of doing one that was just funny or one that was actually good, <laughs> and we laid down on the actually good. There's also In this issue, Spock the Barbarian <laughs> uh, So I guess Conan must have been Big at the time When that issue Was published
2: <laughs> I know that was This is three years Prior I
0: think um, Well this This runs Until
2: 1982
0: Okay So Talking about Conan Barbarian Though I watched That today For the first ever Time huh. uh, I know you Actually watched it On your <laughs> Stag do Paul uh, But I Oh yeah 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 But I abstained <laughs> Just, When you were Watching
2: <laughs> I was say, So it's a big of my do, It's like oh, Oh, we'll cut over my face. We'll we were in Spain. That sounds, a,
1: sounds a wild, we <laughs> were going to watch Conan in silence and. Yeah. <laughs> we were showing from the rain in Spain at the time. So we show would... me the gnomes. I've come I'm, here to I'm, see I'm space. I'm finding the gnomes. These we'll... are
2: like
0: little fucking ripped gnomes. <laughs> is some of the notes I have. Oh, that would have been that's And somebody, there's a gnome that snaps his fingers like Thanos. So here we go. Here are the gnomes This is Star Trek number sixteen,
1: and uh, if you and Matt can recreate that cover for us, good lord. So um, I want you to imagine, listeners, that there's, there's, I think it's Kirk, Kirk and um, and Spock, and they're looking. They've got a little Spock's got his hand out, and he's saying, "Interesting, Captain. It appears to be." a gnome but what but, is he so afraid of Spock and if only they would turn around they would also be afraid because behind both of them is another gnome with a, with a terrible <laughs> weapon and a savage bat that is drooling and is heading straight for them and I mean if it hit you directly I mean you'd probably barely notice it it's one of those forced perspective things where he's going to keep flying keep flying and end up about that way <laughs> yeah. it, it's easily the best comic out of all the comics <laughs> in <laughs> I'll tell you that right already? now
0: I mean it is incredibly bizarre it's about as bizarre as this run but gets. it's
1: written by Martin Pasco, and he has written a lot of odd comics he's the sort of person if you're reading kind of run of Superman and there's one issue where yeah Superman turns into a woman and then becomes invisible and then visits hell and then a giant <laughs> gnome pops up he's that writer where you just get you finish the comic and go what the hell happened in that and I can see just from flicking through this it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I ever well that's good because I've got to say that this is written by
0: a whole cavalcade of writers this volume and Martin Pascoe was the one where I was like
1: who the fuck's Martin Pascoe yeah like he, was was just like... a, he was just a writer in the 70s he kind of filled in a lot of stuff and he wasn't, it wasn't all that good yeah, but no, um, this got that was clearly the high point of his career because <laughs> they, they sing a little song at the end and all kinds of stuff happens. it's wonderful but it does lead us nicely into the final one in the book which is the one I actually read uh, which is yes. the gayest Star Trek story of all A Thousand Deaths oh yeah A Thousand Deaths
0: Star Trek number 18 February 1982
2: I thought that... you were going to be looking at Captain Planet uh, after seeing this panel <laughs> right so okay. we, uh, basically it's a, it's a very interesting angle of Kirk in the jungle gym <laughs> <at> the, <laughs> on the Enterprise <laughs> doing it like a springboard up on some on a trampoline but he, it's because it's from the top down it looks like he's flying yeah Flying upwards, so I was like
0: Captain Planet for this. Yeah, that I mean, number one, I've got to say, this is the magic of comics. Because this is February 1982, and the first
2: That's panel. 52-year-old Captain
0: Cat <laughs> is Captain Cat jumping up and down this trampoline, and man, he is buff He's looking like Adam. Like Cavill. Uh, I like can her. tell you what, William Shatner. Was not this ripped In 1998 <laughs> That so. is
2: my first note Whatever. ever.
0: Beefcake <laughs> Beefcake Kirk on trampoline Well of course <laughs> So you know what If you go back to Shatner In the early episodes Of Ritual Series He's in pretty good shape You know yeah, He's in sexy shape the girl <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so there's there's like episodes where he's working out of weird kind of space weights and stuff. Like that. He seems to be doing well. I don't know, but um, but yeah, no, that by 1982, definitely not the case. Uh, this is written by J M Demattis, uh, who's quite a famous comic book writer. Probably most famous, I would say, for his run on Justice League International, um, and also writing Craven's Last Hunt, which is a very famous Spider-Man arc where Craven the Hunter. Uh, if you know who that is, guys, mm. yeah. Oh, see, Matt knows. No. Uh, Craven the Hunter commit, <laughs> actually commits suicide. Oh, um,
1: Jesus. It's pretty hardcore. You've read this, I assume. Yeah, it's one of those iconic yeah. comics. James Mattis has done so many good stories. He's the sort of person who can take quite a mundane character or very typical superhero situation and just turn it on its head he did a lovely graphic novel called Moonshadow oh, okay. right, that is absolutely beautiful those, one of those comics that transcends the medium and yeah. becomes a bit of art in its own right it's absolutely lovely and actually for, for the last issue of a Star Trek comic in the, ni- in the 80s although I wouldn't put this as one of his greatest works and is strangely homoerotic it is actually not a bad story as it goes well I can handle the plot for this one. Yeah. So,
0: the Enterprise gets trapped in a tractor beam, and Kirk and Spock find themselves aboard an alien ship, facing a huge robot called the Sustainer, I'll who tells them, <laughs> yeah, who tells them that one of them will live and one will die. Uh, reality goes to shit, and Kirk and Spock end up on a pirate ship. Um, and then the lots of other kind of stuff takes That's place That's right because I because well. we've been prepping for this episode for a good few months now so yeah, some yeah. of these notes of ours are quite old but looking at them again I wrote down like it's a compelling dilemma it's a classic Kirkby Spock scenario and by the end of my notes I must have been really won over because I was saying like wow this is about a being searching for selflessness in others
1: before reawakening his warmongering race of masters it's
2: pretty deep James <laughs>
1: Matthews does that every time yeah. even in his really silly stories you kind of get to the end and go oh he was really doing this Massive concepts there, and that's yeah, that's what it that, good. It, it called, feels yeah. like a
2: lost Tarkovsky film or something <laughs> like <laughs> robots testing human life with Lovecraftian elements, it's insane. <laughs> but yeah, it's there, also, was, oh, sorry, no, oh, there was just, yeah, something about this as well. It's kind of a nice precursor to Star Trek 2. We have that kind of self sacrifice that we saw with Spock in the second movie that's kind of foreshadowed here. Mm. Um, I just want to point that out,
1: and I want to point out Spock's pirate outfit <laughs> being the most I'm ready to go to pride outfit <laughs> I have ever seen <laughs> in. I like. And I think between The the trampolining at the beginning And then that And then their close bond And I know it's hardly a new joke To suggest some kind of You know uh, Erotic relationship Between the two of them And I know that's not What the story was about But by the end For me That's what it was all about It was about their <laughs> It was the, about the love That couldn't be spoken Back in 1980 Whatever
0: Yeah I mean it is it, I, I really really like this It's one of my favourite ones I think it's a super heady concept mm-hmm. But it's also Kind of what it It's really clever about it. It mixes the kind of hard sci-fi of something like Star Trek with more batshit kind of comic ideas of a giant robot, crazy pirates fantasy sequence and stuff like that, but actually it is core, the basic idea of this kind of weird loop being created of Kirk and Spock sacrificing their lives for each other in these weird illusions time and time again, um, it's very, very Star Trek. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. has got a <laughs> yeah, bit yeah. uh, that um, uh, I also
2: look. think this this is a kind of show that um, the particular premise of this has been done a couple of times in the show, original series where you have like Kirk being down to a planet there and then they, they've been pitted against another race and it's just one marvellous entity pitting them against each other and basically trying to work out okay now let's see if, if a good or evil wins <laughs> Yeah. that's uh, so true we've managed to get the worst people in the universe against you perhaps you're really good <laughs> so let's see who wins and it's like they, that was I've watched a few of those episodes almost back to back where they've actually <laughs> not even changed that like, well, from that to that it's a good old it's yeah a good, good one, old ripe right to do it it works a lot better here on the page than on the cardboard planet which is good so I, I think you know these huge robots as you said it's a lot more it's yeah. huge in scope mm-hmm.
0: and some of the big ideas here you know it's humans being shielded from processes that we, we can't comprehend purely to stop them going insane like that's the kind of like idea of you know if, if humans were shown the meaning of life or the expanse universe we wouldn't be able to comprehend it and we just you know our heads would melt that's kind of what's going on there of that in and that's, that's big sci-fi see it's proof
1: again that comics are better than anything else <laughs> yes because there are things in there that you can't really do as, as quickly and simply as you get in a, in a book they would be more complicated and drawn out mm-hmm. and you definitely couldn't necessarily do on film or uh, on TV and I think yeah. it's a shortcut to images but without any limitations it. Yeah, it's, it's t- great and it also manages to be really shit as well it's shit <laughs> yeah. and good in a way that only comics can ever be <laughs> it's
2: see some good character work as well like they've not you know, forgotten McCoy and Scotty in this one who absolutely go at it with, you know uh, on the bridge yeah, where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where Scotty's like literally Doctor you can fuck off right now yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I mean it's like I say it's really really interesting um, concepts because Matt mentioned the robots created by a race without the capacity for selflessness uh, which led to millions of deaths on their planet so now the whole race is in suspended animation the robot is seeking species to transmit the concept of selflessness to them which is why he's created this weird loop of kind of Kirk and sort of sacrificing their <laughs> life for each other or as Kirk puts it an eternal circus of living and dying <laughs> um, and yeah I mean that's it's, what I'm going to call my autobiography <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is like 18 pages that's or something that's, I mean, that's, that's exactly a, a, like, a prog <laughs> rock album it, it, it really packs a lot in I, it, I do think you're right actually Matt in terms of he's got a touch of the Tarkovsky about yeah. it like say Solaris or so that uh, and um, yeah, I, it's it's certainly my favorite amongst this. And considering this volume has issues written by Marv Wolfman, Denny O'Neill, Mike W. Barr, Tom DeFalco, these are all quite famous names, yeah. They're, they're the names of the time, uh, aren't they, like, really? You know, so you know, I think it's a really good one. Like, what, what was all our opinion? On thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. it's, it's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. a thumbs up, definitely. Yeah, my final note just says beautiful, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the way it ends as well is really they obviously new. Knew they were losing the license this is obviously going to be the last issue that they were going to put out because DC um, took the license from them right. um, who are the big at the time really it was the big two DC and Marvel now it's a much more of a kind of more even playing field now you have companies like Image being really kind of up there with the big boys I would say but it was basically like oh they've lost it to DC so it would probably been a big blow for them well, mind you I don't know how much these sold back in the day um, well,
2: enough for them to kind of like still bear out the license for their series because they did yeah, continue exactly, with yeah. the, 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 the Wrath of Khan era so they did the switch of uniforms and uh, carried on the adventures didn't they
0: yeah they did uh, DC um, took it from them and immediately started their series exactly the same way Marvel had with an adaptation of the latest film which was Wrath of Khan uh, actually there's a weird thing that happened. Because DC keep the license now for quite a while Through the 80s And basically every single time a new movie came out They would basically have to reset Their own comics continuity Because what they would do is they'd do an adaptation Of the film every time And then they'd have to literally Continue on from that movie So each time they would have been doing their own stories Continuing on from the last film Making it up as they go along And then a new film comes out Completely questions (laughs) everything they've done And they have to start again
1: so a really common thing comics. I always feel sorry for I don't know let's say you're writing Iron Man and you're doing a really good job you've got all your ideas every year Marvel and DC yeah. have these huge great crossovers yes. that just fuck everything up yeah like you've yeah, had a right. great ending in mind oh just it's ah. constantly being ruined and you read creators saying that all the time that you know they're desperately trying to do their little story and then something just comes along and constantly upends it and it's one of the things that makes comics exciting but it also can be quite frustrating I think for the creators and the readers as well well they seem to have down a little on that now but there was definitely
0: a period in like the last like 10-15 years where it seemed like every three months or something there was some massive crossover event and basically no one could write a proper like run of real longevity because it was literally oh there's another event that's just going to fuck up everything that you've planned Going kind of like you know there's no individualism in terms of the no exactly it that makes that it all a doing. bit too
1: samey yeah, and yeah. you can't have uh, having a constant uh, Grant Morrison puts it really well that there's this constant crisis that it's always coming and never quite arriving and that's what happens in lots and lots of comics anyway it's nothing to do with the Star Trek thing <laughs> but yeah um, I'm going
0: to tell my Grant Morrison story as you've brought him up for a couple of times why not um, I was at the have you ever been to the Bristol Comic Con oh yeah I played yeah, there yeah. oh right okay yeah I went there it was my first ever comic convention yeah. um, i I think probably still went last ever actually mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever gone to another one when was this uh, oh god like before I met you like oh, 2001 right. something like that no two, 2001 2002 mm-hmm. one of those and I went and I somehow ended up at the, they had a little award ceremony like that night uh, which Joe Guzada was there and stuff mm-hmm. like that and like a couple of people and they gave Grant Morrison an award um, for I can't remember for what like mm-hmm. or whatever but they gave him what he was wearing a white suit his fiction suit. Um, <laughs> he looked like Hot Kirk from Randall Hot Kirk's <laughs> yeah. Um And he ran on stage, kept his award and shouted... I'm going to take this award and use it to end the war in
2: Iraq, and
1: then stormed the stage. So I mean, like, he does uh, do a lot of drugs. Yes. Yeah. Arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. well,
2: well, maybe in his timeline, he was going to write that ending. Yeah, yeah maybe. So, well, yeah. And then yeah. They, a war happened, and they had to change it.
0: If you ever read yeah, any yeah. of his comics, that is quite
1: possible. Well, the, like... the book he wrote about superheroes called That's Super is really, really good yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah I, I highly recommend it. It's not flawless. He doesn't understate his own importance. So
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: say, but. I mean, it <laughs> I blame this kind of autobiography and a really fascinating book about comics, doesn't it? Uh, really. I, mean, I did find it. It's some of the kind of. It, he has a very unique take on comic books. And some of his stuff contextualising kind of uh, weird, kind of homosexual and feminist subtexts in like 60s comics and stuff mm. is it, it's, it's hilarious. It's awful. But, but then there's also about 80 pages with him just talking about taking loads of fucking drugs and doing to do that magic.
1: And that brilliant bit where he goes, well, I definitely saw aliens, and I definitely saw them in real, real life. Now, I'd eaten and ate the (laughs) ham, but that's got nothing to do with this story. (laughs) (laughs) hang on a minute there, Grant. (laughs) But as I said,
0: they end this in a really nice way, because they obviously knew it was going to be the last issue. And I really like this final words from Captain Kirk, where he says... It was about everything this mission is about, Scotty. It proved that all beings can hope for a better tomorrow and that the human adventure is just beginning. Beautiful.
1: Actually,
2: that's the uh, movie ends as well. So, is that how the motion picture ends? Yes. Ah, uh,
1: so do you reckon that that was a deliberate it's about, it's a callback? More
2: back to that, yeah. It ends with the human adventure just beginning. I mean, yeah. they
1: all end with that, don't they? Every other episode ends with like, I feel like we're just beginning.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: this isn't an end. So it's very just starting. We're
0: just beginning. <laughs> so we move on to DC. Uh, this is 1985 and this is the first ever Star Trek annual but when I say the first ever Star Trek annual I mean annual as in American annual in my other room I actually have a Star Trek annual published in the UK from the 70s which randomly has reprints of some of the gold key comics that were in the IDW reprint Um, but they did there's a big difference between annuals in the UK and annuals in the US. Annuals in the UK, um, I don't think really exist anymore, but they're big hardback books full of some comic strip stories, some kind of prose, some kind of like, uh, crosswords, stuff like that. Um, big thing when we were kids, did we all used to receive annuals like yeah, for yeah, Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Thing? Like, you know, I think everyone did. Um, whereas now I don't think they are really a big thing. However, in America, in American comics, annuals was just basically a bumper sized edition of your normal comic and this is one for Star Trek written by Mike W. Barr um, who's a very famous uh, comic book writer uh, wrote Batman Year 2 mm. um, not as famous as its predecessor okay. Batman Year 1 by Frank Miller <laughs> which is one of the comics credited with changing the comics industry but I have a real fucking fondness for Batman, I like that, too. Yeah, I think definitely. it's fucking wicked. Great, great and, art in there as well. The, the art is mate. Half of it is drawn by Alan Davis, Ooh. who's an amazing artist, and the half, other half is drawn by a very young Todd McFarlane, uh, creator of Spawn, and so I
1: really rate that. And he also um, created Batman and the Outsiders. Yeah, that's true. He did a really good comic called The Maze Agency in the 80s. Unfortunately, he also did this tedious piece of shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> this is, this is like...
0: Is it It's, it's like the, the Kirk's first Yeah the, Basically the, the idea of Captain Spock th- This is the first mission So uh, Mike W. Barr Actually wrote a little essay In in the comic Basically Coming up with this idea Of doing the first mission I was saying This is pretty much Probably the first One of the real First important pieces Of Star Trek Kind of extended Universe Type mm-hmm. stuff Because I think this is Pre any of the novels Isn't it Isn't it The first novel Only got published Like in the late 80s What's really? TG God right. you would have I would have thought
1: That had been around A lot longer
0: yeah. Right. yeah I mean There might have been A a, like, a motion picture Novelisation maybe yeah. yeah yeah But an actual Original novel I think they came That is Because huh. we actually Had um, two of the Star Trek novel Writers on the show mm. Judith and Garfield And Reeve Stevens And they wrote Some of the first Didn't they Yeah it was like That was it maybe- some, some of my notes here Is that Bones looks creepy as fuck Which must be that panel there Where he looks completely They all look insane. awful The art's horrible uh, This is David Ross's artwork I I, I think really I, yeah. I don't Sorry, think David, he's done a huge, a huge amount um, I think the most famous thing Is for is drawing some issues Of West Coast Avengers Which is hardly there a claim go. to claim but There's yeah. some nice nods To some of the early he, a lot he, of the pilot of the show, isn't it? Because you've got Gary, he's back. Yeah, the, the idea here, I should explain, it, is to cover the first mission That's right. of Kirk and Spock as a crew because if you've got knowledge of the original series, they did the aborted pilot episode, The Cage, which had Captain Pike yes. um, as the captain of the ship. And then they did a second pilot with Captain Kirk already in place as the captain of the ship. They then yeah. later did the menagerie, which contextualized the whole thing and said that actually the events of the cage had happened 10 years prior to that other pilot, Kirk. So somehow there's something in the middle. So we never found out we don't how know Kirk if they are took
2: over. One year the into the 5 V mission, or two years. Exactly, time, exactly. exactly. Like they've known each other for a little mm. while at the point you begin it. So this is kind of like putting, you know, sort of, you know, put on paper, kind of what would actually have happened, how they would have got got together.
1: And is it, as is always the way with sort of prequely type yeah. things, finding out about what the person was doing before they were in the thing, having an adventure, yeah. so is her very her, tedious. You've
2: got a her just breaking up with the boy. a boyfriend who is sitting
1: at home <laughs> said, because yeah. helping a child in a hospital who gives a fuck do you know what I mean get out to space where you're interested <laughs> awesome. they all look like they've had a stroke <laughs> I felt like I'd had a stroke by the time I finished it it's appalling on every level I
2: think there's yeah, kind of one bit of <laughs> fan service there which Matt pointed out having Gary like who was basically Gary, yes. um, yeah. Yeah. Gary. In, in the first episode <laughs> you see chatler in he's the man who gets zapped and then becomes gets more, god powers god right? powers yeah. and more and more intelligent and they decide they should euthanise and before he gets too powerful
1: yeah uh, that's a really great concept what yeah, an interesting exactly. idea for it's a character called Gary it's wow
2: <laughs> it's, uh, it's a it's a brilliant episode to start to show yeah. it's, it's such a he gives great performance as he kind of like they've got him strapped into a hospital bed and he's just getting more and more intelligent by the minute and it's like at one point he's going to be so marvellous that they can't control him that's wonderful um, take him down but now. we
0: actually covered that yeah. episode yeah. where No Man Has Gone Before the episode is called in our original series episode with David Chumble and 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 what we all said was that the one weak point of the episode was that Gary Mitchell is a character. Everyone's talking about him like he's their best mate, but we've never seen him before and we never hear of him after. (laughs) So we're kind of like, who was Gary Mitchell? and Mike W Barr answers that question in this issue
1: well it might well be one of those things uh, you know where not knowing the context and not knowing the history behind it makes it a much more two dimensional um, experience for me no I don't think that's the case Paul I think it is rubbish no (laughs) you won't I'm trying my best but really (laughs) really it's because they they basically kind of tedious uh, pages and pages they spend ages slowly getting on their spaceship and then when they're on it they have a really brief adventure um, that no one really Really the likeness is pretty good, but if
0: I'm not mistaken, there is a bit of of like law breaking where they go warp seventeen. Yeah, possibly. Okay. Yeah, yeah
2: they're they're in. In. that's so. not possible, right?
1: That no. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, just a bit of a nothing version. story, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. For a first mission, you want your first mission to be to really kick ass, don't you? So yeah, sorry about and, that. And it's basically
2: the you know that annoying episode of every first season where you have to have episode seven of that season a flashback episode. Yeah, you get to a certain point. And go! I'm really building ahead of steam with this now. I can't wait to find out how it goes. They have to take you back. To
1: what class. is going on with that? It's the worst it's trend. The trope. trope in TV. It's the worst trope in all of TV. Why is it always episode seven.
2: Like <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> just say it's probably six or seven or eight. Yeah, yeah same right with Ozark and Stranger Things. Maybe started a by Star,
0: Star Trek so, yeah. with the Right. At the end of the day, like yeah, uh, <laughs> that's
2: what that was doing.
0: So but that was them know. just not wanting to waste a perfectly good pilot. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Out of
2: money, and yeah, they decided we've got yeah, all this unused footage, and so find a way of cannibalizing it, yeah. and made the only two parter the old original mm-hmm. rap.
0: yeah and I think it only really seems weird now because of course at the time when that episode went out the Cage was not screened, so for Fans at the Time it would have been like wow This like lost Footage whereas They later Released the Cage which now Gets included on Netflix and Everything like that As the first Episode so now It really is just a like this is Part recap Yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, When I watch It I skip I like clip skip show. Past yeah. those bits Because I was Just like it's Just a clip Show um, so yeah We're all pretty Down on the First mission basically, aren't we? So In reverse order From the Ridiculous to The Sublime I mean this is A very odd odd situation because as we said before first mission written by mike w bar piece of shit the next year he returns for star trek annual number two and decides to do the final mission this time being for people in the know uh star trek original series cancelled after season three Meant to be a five year mission, so we never get to see them end that mission. That story at this point certainly hasn't been told. This is in 1986. Uh, he decides to tell it in this uh, second annual, and this is completely the other end of the spectrum. I mean, this is my personal favorite Star Trek comic I've read. Um, this is The Final Voyage, it's called, uh, written by Mike W. Barr, again with art by Dan Juergens. Um, he supplies really gorgeous art I think um to this issue he's probably most famous for his run on Superman uh say Superman got he dead for many many years I think he might still do some um, even but yeah this is this is basically telling the, the story of the Enterprise's final mission what would have I guess been the season five finale um, if they've ever ended it has anyone got a kind of plot summation or I mean I don't I think I might have something
2: okay well so yes yeah, so this is called the final voyage and um, basically it's looking it's kind of in the same way All Good Things On Next Generation Would In 994 It uses the final Finale of the season To kind of look back At the pilot Of the show Or well, the first mm. mission That was uh, kind of aired mm. So this links back To um, The planets uh, That, that um, Pike Was imprisoned on Talos uh, 4 Talos 4 Talos 4 And we talk about Like planets that are forbidden This one is forbidden And uh, so it kind of You know Ties in and bookends The whole show In an amazing way It also kind of like Links really well To like the stuff Motion pictures, so you have some of the characters that you see in that film, you know, start to be introduced and they're kind of changing of the uniform, change of the guard almost. Um, and um, it's it's amazing, like, and there's, there's there's certain like little nightmares in it as well. You get a lot of like character information that kind of you know really fleshes people out in a way you never had before. Um, and what I love about this is just so many great nods to kind of like the Star Trek as a whole. Um, that show, um, not not you know. We want to talk about it now, but we can just sort of say there's a great um, callback to *City on the Edge of Forever*, which is often considered yes. like the the best episode produced in the original run. Yeah. Edith Keeler shows up, doesn't she? Or? Yeah. So yeah, Edith Keeler being the uh, woman in the 20th century who uh, where Kirk finds himself there, falls in love with until she's killed by a tram or a bus or something like that yeah. um, and has to let it happen because she's always meant to die
0: yeah. in that time. Played by Joan Collins.
2: Yeah and uh, and it's basically, we get the impression here that it was Kirk's true love actually. That
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think you can buy in the sense of because you know, out of all the kind of romantic interests we've seen him with in the original series, I don't think there's any more that stick out for me than that one. Um, and yeah, to contextual this, what I should say is that the Klingons um, have basically got control of Talos 4 and its powers um, of kind of creating kind of, you know, allu- illusionary
2: powers. That's right. um, yeah. So they basically control the Talosians, who are the people who have those powers yeah. for their own ends, aren't they?
0: And they are creating nightmarish visions um, for the crew uh, kind of in this story and they've kind of taken Pike uh, hostage because, if you've seen the in uh, you know the poor paralyzed Pike ends up there um, on his own in, Kyiv- in a world of illusion itself, but nice illusion Then the Klingons come along, fuck it up. There's a really <laughs> like horrible scene with the Klingons tormenting like the paralyzed Pike, which is really quite disturbing I think and what you're kind of um, leading to Paul is that there is a scene where they're holding uh, Kirk and Spock and uh, all the characters come prisoner and they give them all horrible nightmarish illusions. and what they make Kirk see is the death of Edith Keeler again and so they're a bit more effective nightmare visions than what we saw in the shitty episode we watched for how the track did this get made of the original series yeah Yes yeah, Or
2: yeah, Sulu yeah. being like Oh space knives Watch out So oh, these oh, are a bit better Oh, well, I think Uhura's is the same Oh okay Her nightmare is always <laughs> Just That she's getting A horrible ugly face Yes yeah, yeah, yeah I thought
1: that Early in the, early in the comic she, There's a, quite a good comment Where they talk about Changing the uniform Yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah. And Scotty says Well I don't want to wear Those space pyjamas And Uhura says Well you might want to mate If you've been wearing A mini skirt For the past Sort of seven seasons <laughs> And that was quite a, You know A good yeah. little In keeping mm. Step forward And she's always been You know really Relatively feminist a reference to those shitties, Yeah, to and then yeah. it's completely undone by the fact that everyone has their worst nightmares and they're being tortured or this is happening, mm-hmm. and that's happening, and she just doesn't want to have a bad face yeah, <laughs> because yeah. she's a lady who's and, pretty. And,
2: <laughs> and, and funny enough, we were losing to the, when she, but it did come to time to leave the motion picture, and uh, the actress was wearing the the, the uniform. Yeah. She complained that her legs weren't on show.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was the weird thing. I was saying, like, you're completely right in terms of that. Seems like a really great feminist <laughs> moment, hmm. but actually in reality, Michelle Nichols, the actress. Was like I haven't got enough skin on display. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, which she later rectified in Star Trek Five: for a tip when she has a kind of uh, or stripper kind of dance sequence. But yeah, I agree. I like the little reference to the pajamas I've, of Star Trek motion picture.
2: Uh, Sulu's nightmare is extremely poignant. Like given that yes. like, George Takei's like um you know history, his own personal history being interned in World War Two.
1: God, I didn't know that. Yeah. wow, that's quite something. Oh, that, I, that's I, what I, they did for a couple that. of panels. Yeah, wow.
2: so um, he was part of a Japanese American family who were interned during World War Two, and it had such a dramatic effect on his life that he's uh, he did a play called Allegiance, where he plays like a um, a, a, a Japanese American army officer who has to sort of oversee uh, you know the internment of like his countrymen. Right. And uh, I think yeah, it's but um, did really really well this play, and he, you know I think went on Broadway. Um, so it's interesting, kind of like you know 15-20 years before that actually came to fruition that that this panel. You know, shows that kind of as mm. Sulu would imagine, him, his ancestors going through that kind of treatment. Yeah.
0: Well, what's horrible in that flashback is that well, it's not flashback, but um, uh, nightmarish vision is that he's suffering terrible racist abuse during the war, but it's because he's being suspected of being a double agent by yes. the Americans. So it's actually his own side doing that to him and yeah. beating him up and stuff, and it's really, really horrible. And then you've got Decker just getting battered by some skeletons. So you know. yeah. well, yeah. Everyone <laughs> have ideas. <laughs> I don't know why. everyone. Hates Skeleton. <laughs> this does introduce the character Will Decker, who, of course, was captaining the Enterprise when we joined them in the Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, so, again, it's a case a bit like Gary Mitchell in the first mission. We get to kind of meet a character we didn't did get to know that well in the actual kind of uh, televised or cinematically released kind of Star Trek uh, stories and get a bit more. De-
1: ...on the character in this one. And like all comics, it's a product of its time. And, you know, in 1986 was when DC were starting to do... It was just about to do Swamp Thing. It had just done Crisis mm. on Infinite Earth, which we, we sort of changed everything around. It was just all comics getting a bit more grown up and getting a bit more thoughtful and you can really see that in the kind of story yeah, that it's telling it's, it's just that it's that sort of precursor to the more graphic novelly type comics I mean Dan Jürgen's art I find fairly it's fairly Boring Most of the time, but he's quite a good storyteller, and that's what it sort of does yes. well in this. It's not yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. particularly flashy or exciting, but it does tell a story, which, you know, for something like this is very. I worthwhile. think we talked about this before in terms of I really
0: value storytelling in mm. comic book art because, you know, that's what it is the sequential kind of art form. Mm. And my favourite artists tend to be the ones who are really good at that, like who might not be f- potentially flashy or showy, uh, but people like Charlie Adler. Mark uh, Bagley, uh, Steve Dillon, who uh, very much have their own unique art styles, um, but they are really, it's all about the storytelling. Yeah. And I think that is exactly, it comes across really well here. And I do think, in terms of the emotion of the piece, it, it comes across really hard in the scene where Kirk is forced to relive the death of Edith Keeler. I, uh, I mean genuinely uh, I found it really Emotionally
1: affecting It was like it, I Incredibly don't emotional something
2: To be made as much as this Like I, Yeah
1: it, Yeah that's what it felt like Didn't it It, fe- it felt oh, like it, an it unmade should, episode it, didn't it, it should have
2: yeah. been made This is like Such an incredible ending Of the show mm. you would have bought it You know All the other shows Got their finales Star Trek the original series Never got one Yeah Because it was cancelled Before it's time And but uh, well, I suppose Enterprise didn't to get The get finale even But um, you know This would Pick would all those boxes I don't know if it's like Fantasy But I'm just thinking like this would have been so You know It'd be our shield You know It would have yes. so happy ended In that way Because um, you got Kirk's Like insane bloodlust
0: After you know We
2: get to Klingon bastards yes. yeah, yeah It's, yeah. A, it's,
0: it's, it's a amazing it, His reaction Where he wakes up Out of his nightmare And then absolutely Batters the living fuck Out of this Klingon I mean he's Smashing his head <laughs> into the kind of like wall like literally knocking his, this Klingon's teeth out <laughs> uh, and like you say you see worth it for that panel alone really <laughs> bastard she's gone I tried to bury myself in my work lose myself in that damn ship and other women but you couldn't let me forget could you you had to make <laughs> like uh, he's just and he has to he's beating this guy. There's there's blood kind of, like, really good, spurting off, and he has to be told like by McCoy, Jim, Jim, snap him out of it to stop him doing it. <laughs> oh, you know? like, yeah, it just yeah, God, it's it's yeah. really, really hardcore. And I also think the actual ending oh they're really touching aren't they yeah really really touching It's the classic like turn the lights out when you leave the set for the last time I I thought it, it felt like the kind of classic even though I haven't seen it but the way people talk about the mash finale like that kind of thing of literally all the characters saying goodbye to each other um, it's all like you say it's all really uh, touching and mm. just gradually everyone gets to kind of you know have their own kind of nice endings. So, so it's just
2: w- him alone on the bridge by the end isn't it yeah well, which
0: is as it should be yeah. isn't it that's how it's going to work. as
2: was in the, uh, the Jim Belushi uh, James Belushi no it's Jim Belushi isn't it's it? Jim Belushi yeah as seen in the Jim Belushi <laughs> sketch Saturday Night Live where like everybody is getting cancelled and he's the one person <laughs> who's taking part yeah <laughs> ripping
0: up the set <laughs> it's That's I'll say perfect all of the characters check off Sulu Uhura all leaving and then uh, McCoy comes along with some final drinks uh, for him uh, Kirk and Spock and they all kind of have a drink together uh, but then he, after that you're, you're right um, he is left on the bridge alone Kirk like you know he just literally just closed the doors and like you say it's kind of turn off the Light yeah. Moment, and as he says, this is not an end after all, but rather a beginning. Because I, <laughs> beginning.
1: <laughs> because
0: I suppose we as an audience know that they are going to go on to more adventures. That this isn't, although yet. this is still one year before next gen starts. So, mm, so with the, uh, no, 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 yeah. but this it, yeah.
1: crew, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So in terms of the motion picture, Roth of Khan, yeah, so everyone. there would be,
2: be four films in, it's one yeah, year. yes, so,
1: exactly. So, what we're saying is no, it wasn't as good as the one with the killer gnomes but it was a good comic <laughs> we know not there again.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah this is, uh, I think all of our favourites so far, surely. Yeah, I, I the old like, well, I say old, like 80s like the old style,
1: original crew ones yeah, it's very strong. And a cursory look um, at uh, Google when I was reading up about it as well, I think it's a lot of people's favourite as well, I'm sure if they're oh, really? listening to this, who've read a lot of the comics, would probably agree that it's a it's a good high watermark. People that. like a good finale. Yeah,
0: we're we're like a good mean, It finale. does feel like a finale, like you're I'm really glad. to I'm really glad that it's kind of fondly remembered by mm. fans because I thought it might be a bit forgotten, but that's that's really nice to hear. Um, but we're now gonna kind of fast forward ten years into the future to 1996. All right, give me that one. Uh, by this point, Marvel have got the license back. From DC and And they clearly don't know what to do with it (laughs) yeah they are now producing I think I've got a feeling this is just as they got about DC had the license for a long time because in the interim I I should say that we are very much just covering a wide range of kind of Star Trek comics the actual kind of Star Trek comics oeuvre is absolutely humongous and you know you could never cover them in one podcast at all. So we're literally cherry picking Through the eras A few different kind of comics Just to kind of give you a little taster uh, If you've never yeah. kind of looked at Star Trek comics before uh, As I said I think this is Just as Marvel got the license back from DC You, you can get tell it- it's Marvel because it looks like an X-Men comic Yes oh, it really? does yeah, yeah. In the meantime they've done uh, Continued to do the original series Star Trek comics They've done a Star Trek Next Generation comic uh, uh, They did uh, Deep Space Nine comics I think as well um, but now Marvel have the license, and I think they came out really uh, strong with a big range of Star Trek comics. They had what we're going to look at here, which is Starfleet Academy. Um, also had Early Voyages, which we'll go look at afterwards. So, the, and so this is definitely the nineties, like Saved by the Bell. The new class. You've got yeah, you've got a yeah. Decker ancestor by the looks of it. You've got an, an ancestor of Nog from DS Nine, right? No, it's, no, it's, it's, really it's Nog Oh, it's not. Oh, it is not. It's yeah, not. It is it's yeah, 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 it's not. Um, and they also released a comic called Untold Voyages, which was um, again set in the motion picture continuity. But the one we're looking at is Star Trek Starfleet Academy Number One, published December nineteen ninety six uh, by Marvel Comics. The story is called Prime Directives, written. By Chris Cooper and I've got to be honest <laughs> I yeah, I know fuck all about this guy it, it seems to be the biggest moment in his career was writing this comic um which is unfortunate uh and, but the art is by a guy called Chris Renell. so 90's. it looks like a Burger King menu so 90's. <laughs> you've absolutely nailed it Oof,
3: that's right.
0: uh it It does. However, do any of you know who this guy is? I do because you told me. Yeah, he went on to co-direct and... Despicable Me 1 and 2
1: huh. He is the co-creator Of the Minions Oh shit He's so, got a lot to answer for Not only with this Shitty comic <laughs> no. But also with his Appalling creations No Minions in everybody's this one. Childhood ever since But he will undoubtedly Now be a billionaire uh, Yeah
0: this, So This I mean, is kind of looking That is at no
1: excuse That makes <laughs> it even worse And he's a billionaire God I hate him This is kind of
0: Focusing like a new Class of cadets Isn't it Back at Starfleet Academy But we ha- There's some con- there's Some strained Like relationships Between them that we know from people already, but mostly it's kind of all new characters, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, like it's with basically the two lead characters in this <laughs> is, as you said, Matt Decker, who's the son of Will Decker.
2: Should he this is son or grandson? Got to be because it's like it's over seventy years since the um, since the events of that, isn't it? But maybe it's grandson, but I think he says son. You know, but then but you'd think no, I, I agree. You think damage it... to somebody whose granddad or dad you know left everything behind become a new life form uh, <laughs> would be in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) He's acting like he's walked out of, like, the Bullyington Club. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I just feel like, you know, it's going to be the, uh, you know... um Tory Tory uh, wing of the um, Starfleet Academy just knocking their teeth out of like
1: all the people. Yeah, you're oh. not wrong though. Actually, I think that's part of the. I mean, there are a lot of problems with this comic. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, very 90s. It's the most it? 90s. Like it's, every it, page is got, like, horrible a horrible jumble. Big blue,
0: big blue nude lady. To spell yeah. of it. Uh, the um, other character is, is Nog, who of course was actually a character from right. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, who is actually yeah, so they're the two linchpins. Everyone else is new characters. Uh, Starfleet Academy is something that we've talked about loads and loads of times on the show as an idea that was pitched for a new kind of movie uh, loads of time, but it would yes, have Garrison been Garrison but it would have been Kirk and Spock and that, that crew this is very much can be set at the time of Deep Space Nine a completely new kind of characters uh, so it's a, a very different take mm. on it like you say this is the worst 90s comic excess <laughs> there, there's major cheesecake blue babes yep. kind of loads of sexism he's
2: literally literally his lips like, out. Oh, is yeah. that Nog there the oh,
1: little that's issue? Nog yeah a little he's, pervy uh, and that's the problem he's the guy that we're supposed to feel a bit of sympathy for yes, throughout this yeah. because he's basically like the bullied kid who doesn't really belong yes. and everyone's really horrible to him but in a couple it's, of pages he's really and one of the other characters strips off for no good reason and he gets all pervy and excitable and she kicks his ass, and it just makes him look like a horrible nerd who can't get on with women he looks like somebody who if he had Twitter would be, go- it would be part the comics gate movement <laughs> He'd have He'd, an egg avatar <laughs> <He's What's>, just
2: <laughs> incel. He just What's He An incel He's basically A Star Trek
1: <laughs> incel That sounds like A race of creatures As well <laughs> um, And they and, and then it's the old um, danger, They basically go to An X-Men style Danger room I know there's a What's the, what's the Star Trek Well it's called
2: Holodeck Holodeck deck, yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. of yeah, holodeck course they probably the Nicked from the Star
1: Trek And then of course It all goes a little bit wrong it's
2: so dangerous I always say like, Holodecks are just Ridiculously dangerous Like having The, the safety protocols Never cease to get broken Yeah yeah <laughs> Well the so Gorn
0: turn up As a little bit Of fan service yeah. Don't they And oh, there's yeah. that Sort of twist ending That one of the characters Is a
2: Romulan spy Yeah so it's one of the The female yeah, her characters She's actually like, She has a green goblin Moment where she's looking yes. in, the, uh, in, the, in the mirror And sees herself In a Romulan garb But you know she's, she's taken on She obviously clearly Wants a career In Romulan Sort of like Space fleet Because she's. this is A very long assignment To take on You've got to go to school Yeah that's a very what good really point <laughs> There's a fuckload of Studying you've got to do like, the
1: mi- <laughs> Yeah that's commitment Isn't it That yeah. is commitment
0: <laughs> to your double agentry But you were saying How we're meant To feel a little bit Sorry for Nog Because he's clearly The bullied kid mm. And I, I do think You're right Because the amount Of times That Matt Decker Is horrifically Racist Towards Nog For being a freaky In this Is insane Like this is I mean there are Multiple scenes So this is one yeah where he I mean to be fair he has just found him being kicked out of the blue babes room for being pervy um, and he's on the floor and Matt says why am I not surprised to find you like this we haven't even met yet and you've already confirmed my worst fears about a Ferengi and Starfleet yep. and you must be out of your mind I won't tolerate inappropriate conduct towards a fellow cadet and neither will the academy that's just you work on and your the behaviour me. Oh, or work strong. On a transfer Off this
1: campus That so, is not someone That I want to read A monthly comic Of their adventures <laughs>
3: well,
1: That's the problem With all of these You know There is that X-Men thing Of we'll make them all Have their kind of quirks And things we, we don't like And how could they all get on But there's got to be An underlying You've got to not hate them And I hated all of them <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, They're
1: all reprehensible I mean, late, Later on This
0: continues Later on uh, Nog is getting bullied By another Starfleet cadet oh. Decker actually intervenes and stops him to which Nog thinks wow like you know maybe we're going to be mates okay. and he says look Frankie use those ears for once and get this straight we're not friends and we never will be ever so just stay away from me and it's just
1: <laughs> and then he says that at the end as well yeah. we'll never be friends ever <laughs> <laughs> not just like uh, we might you know like, while he's shaking go, his head. he's shaking his head. Nog is smiling like. as well like like Why is he so resistant to Imagine if I, Imagine if you and me Were working together and at the end of the first day I said look mate We will never Ever be friends Ever But See nice you tomorrow Not nice, having yeah, nice you on the, on the team <laughs> look,
0: I just like to keep Work relationships Separate To personal Alright personally
1: I hate you <laughs> so much
0: It does feel like It's trying to do Like the kind of Year one Harry Potter setup, Where it's like It's like the school years For a bunch of new characters But it's like If they
2: were all Robin.
0: I would like to set this comic on fire. Yeah,
2: it's <laughs> proper go to school.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean all the dialogue's really really bad, is not it? Like it's it's the 90s yeah. dialogue. I think there it's is really a more tight. 90s one coming. So where do we where do we go from here? Oh, oh yeah. well, uh, yeah. well, uh, I, I personally don't think it gets more 90s oh, it, I don't um, we will move on to Star Trek: Early Voyages. Oh yeah, uh, which is based around we've just talked about Captain Pike. Um, obviously, he starred in the original pilot to Star Trek: The Cage, but we never got to see the rest of I his this personal. The, this is the 5 five-year mission until most recently because now anyone watching the new season of Star Trek Discovery will know that we now have Captain Pike in basically the lead of that show but this is before then this is February 1997 uh, Marvel Presents Paramount Comics has decided to try a load of new kind of series this is Flesh of My Flesh written by Dan Abnett and Ian Eddington who are kind of a British comics writing team uh, probably most famous for writing for 2000 AD they create. Uh, Sinister Dexter oh, yeah, which is yeah. a famous kind of comic series from there uh, with art by Patrick Zercher. I think this
1: is quite nice art in this and they were both, not... both individually those writers have written some really wonderful comics um, there's one I think it's Ian Edginton who wrote a comic um, is it it's Scarlet, Scarlet Traces I can't remember yeah he did Scarlet Traces and he did another one, oh, Kingdom of the Wicked which no one's ever read and it's my favourite comic in the world about <laughs> a guy who goes into his, his childhood family fantasy world to sort of um, try and rescue it and it's this beautiful world of toys and things that has all crumbled and turned into a, a bitter and dark war and it's an utterly beautiful comic um, again he's reached some high points in his career I'm not sure that this <laughs> Star Trek one won <laughs> one of them
0: um, so this is more Pike adventures isn't it proper kind of origins for him and the art's pretty good
1: yeah uh, I like it's, the art
0: it's, it's pretty uh, pretty flashy um it's again it's a bit of a nothing story yeah so. Well, that's yeah, the thing
1: I feel like I've got almost yeah. nothing to say because it's not so bad that it's terrible no but it's not in any it's not got no redeeming features I, I forgot about it as soon as I'd finished reading the word sadly it, yeah yeah it is totally
0: average and also I don't actually think that it helps that it's like double sized first issue because it, it does just feel like a stretched out first story it yeah, doesn't really I think, I think there's some good kind of interplay between the crew but there's not really much threat and it feels like a big setup for later on. And I think the nineties element is the villain. What is it? The the yeah, Negulator. Negulator Yeah. Negulator, yeah. Ne- e- That's a very
2: nineties <laughs> name as well. It's it? very like nineties metal album cover, like kind of <laughs> yes. like well, I think he's yeah, you know, somebody might see Star Trek Troopers and came back going, I want yeah, some right? of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And
1: I think as well because you don't know or care about any of the characters, trying to set up a whole new crew that, that still fulfill the the basic roles of every Star Trek. Cruel of having the, the kind of emotionless one and the strong, gruff one and all that mm. kind of stuff doesn't really do enough for it. Yeah, the reason why like the, you
2: know this pilot you know, was cancelled like, like <laughs> yeah. because they didn't have the dynamic and Spock was the only holdover from that crew.
1: Yeah, of series, very true.
2: Final
1: version. In some ways, Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek's front runner to a lot of things, but Star Trek's also one of those things that I can see from here that is a front runner to that thing that we get a lot of now. Of like, well, that was successful. What other elements can we possibly yeah. make that might make that? Good, like, and Marvel are a good example of taking every possible thing in a desperate attempt to find gold in yeah, amongst some of the shows. So you find yourself in an era where it's like, oh yeah, this is not interesting for a reason, like,
0: don't highlight it. I'm yeah. <laughs> I mean
2: that, you know, there's fan fatigue setting in, like, the Star Wars already with the show that returns. Exactly, like, so that's a perfect example. But now, you know, those Mandalorian TV shows, this is the first live-action, you know, Star Wars ever, and I just can't feel any excitement for it. And I was oh just,
0: yeah, you're not excited about this, and you are... Probably the biggest Wars fan yeah, I know, I'd I kind it very because it feels like it could be its own thing, like it taking place in the existing timeline, but it's from the sounds of it, it's not just like here's a spin off from someone you know, it's
2: stretching through a series. At least mm-hmm. it, on the surface at the moment, currently, it feels like it's its own characters and situations and stuff also a franchise I, I hold dear but like, they tried to they, they threatened a spin off which was James Bond where they were going to do a jinx movie with Halle Berry oh god uh, yeah know, Jesus remember
0: the days when they were actually considering a jinx yeah, movie yeah. Jesus
2: and they also you threatened a Money penny movie like, like as well around the yeah. time, just after Skyfall oh uh, uh, right but the thing is I cool.
0: mean I would have actually well, watched that with I would have watched that hours. I would have watched that with the right director right team but I know what you mean in terms of you just kind of think... Stop stretching Do it. Do
1: we no, need... Yeah. But you're just diluting yeah. that good thing, aren't you? Yeah, it just gets diluted. It just
2: gives them more to stuff. do in the films as well. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I
0: agree. And I think, to be honest, I'm like the audience who watches James Bond films. I mean, I quite like the idea of a Naomi Harris led Money Penny film, but I'm like, in general, the hardcore Bond audience, are they interested in that? I don't know. Like, no, particularly uh, if
2: you made a character, somebody who's not a field agent, like, uh, you know, doesn't want to do
1: that. Yeah, mostly yeah. Uh, secretarial <laughs> duties. Yeah. It could be quite <laughs> <as well>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Terrible day at the office. I'm just, I'm just, it's like <laughs> um,
1: they are actually
0: doing that Batman spin off about Yai Alfred at the moment. Ooh. With uh, Sean, I think it's Sean Pertwee as oh, okay. Alfred, oh, being a spy in the sixties. But something. he's already in Gotham. What they're doing another? Maybe not on that. Oh, I'm right. not sure. I, I know some I mean, Sean Pertwee's yeah, not yeah, that yeah,
2: young. I know some it. people who are working on it's, it, and it exists. It's
1: an SES like man, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it back. Yeah, it's like Young Alfred the series. <laughs> oh man, I'm nice like when Alfred was like an ex actor. In the old comics, he was just an actor that ended up being a butler, and he had to abandon his dreams of being a butler and became being an actor and became a butler. That was nice. Why has everyone got to be in a War exactly. No. Well, you, did you, well, you
0: ever read the like the was it called the Untold Story of Batman or something? I think that's the first time it's in like the early eighties. Yeah, three issue miniseries. I think that's the first time they brought in the idea of Alfred being in the war, wasn't yeah, it, or true. being like
1: a spy or like he uh, had a daughter yeah. for a little while in the seventies from, yeah. from resistance and the, and the war kind of stuff. But he was still I don't know. There was just there's been a militarization of lots yeah, of comics well, as they are part of the kind of big propaganda machine. Mm-hmm. They're often tied into the military and to corporations in a way that's a little bit icky sometimes. Yeah.
2: and you can always rebuy really buy Jeremy Irons as an ex man. Yeah, this
1: is you know this is this. Oh yeah, that this, see that's I mean, the kind of comic it is that we were supposed to be talking about it, and none of us can.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. This is
1: the thing. It's like you're saying it's a double-sized first issue, but they still
0: just introduce the entire crew over one splash page of like, here are some headshots and information dump. It's like, okay, yeah, is that the best you, you <laughs> got? <laughs> yeah. It just... Like I say It's just a bit of a nothing It's not It's not bad It didn't make me Hate comics Or anything like that It's just It's just average, Isn't it like, yeah
1: It's just not Not great Speaking of hating
0: comics. Oh yeah Okay right So we shall move on To the next yeah. point We'll be covering uh, This is Yet another Company change um, Later on the, the company That currently Holds the licence For producing Star Trek comics Is IDW Publishing um, Who now bit like Gold Key back in the day deal with a lot of licensed comics Uh, they do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles. Samurai Jack yes Um, Back to the Future they had like a little run going on bringing back franchises or properties that didn't get a proper ending and giving them a proper ending. Yeah. Like, Samurai yeah, Jack yeah. did come back and get a proper final season mm-hmm. but those
1: comics were like here's what we could say for now was the And end. people want that a bit like that the one that we really liked of um, Star Trek. Yeah. yeah and they're all really good aren't they? It's yeah I've got to say in of, like, general Ghostbusters
0: as well. they do a very Yeah Ghostbusters they do yeah and I've got to say in general they do a very good job. Mm-hmm. Um, however Paul, I believe you have a different opinion about Star Trek Countdown, which is the prequel to the 2009 <laughs> Star Trek movie.
1: Well, by the time I got to that, I'd read the good, I'd read the bad, and this is, this is every... Every bargain bin in every comic shop across the country has probably got a copy of this in, 20p, sitting unread. It's everything that movie adaptions so often are, which is kind of like, no artist you recognise, no writer you recognise, no way to possibly focus on what's going on because it's so utterly tedious. <laughs> I almost want uh, Yeah I almost want This destroyed It's, it's some kind of Controlled experiment So no oh, one has to Read it again oh, fuck.
2: Like the Master Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> Yeah
1: exactly gray. I feel like this is A good argument As to why comics Do rot the brain Having said that I haven't read it <laughs> 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 no, I read some of it and then I, I realized that life was it's too short. It's interesting.
0: Sure. I I don't necessarily disagree, but I did actually enjoy it. I think just for the extra context it gives Nero leading into the film, seeing him become that. It's but it is
2: very bland it's on the just page. A yeah, but the film didn't need. Yeah, the, the film didn't need flesh no. It's all on the page, and that's all. On the yeah, street. the film tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. in its economical mm. storytelling.
0: Yeah, the weird thing about this is it was a actual, but it was published at the time um, as a prequel leading up to the release of 2009 uh, Star Trek. Yeah, so should we say this is the sort of prequel story leading up? Yeah, the oh, idea was what it was happens meant between to Spock Prime and the era right before they time travel. Yeah, the, the idea was meant to bridge the gap between Star Trek Nemesis and Star Trek 09, which is a kind of weird prequel-slash-sequel hybrid. Um, and it is actually plotted out by Orchie and Kurtzman, yeah. uh, the writers of that movie. <laughs> Even more weirdly, Alex Kurtzman is now the main creative mind behind the Star Trek universe. He is the kind of executive mm, producer of Star well, yeah. Trek Discovery and the main guy behind the Picard show. Yeah, and this is all canon to and the Picard. Yeah, show. and he wow. is making this comic, because I guess he can canon. He's yeah. saying that. At this, the moment this, this comic is the last we see of Picard canonically. Yes. Up until what well, we up see until, until, next year, next yeah. year. And this is the kind of thing that you would totally assume as a fan like previously. I, I think we have even talked about it in a previous episode because I think Greg Locke, who's a previous guest on the show, mentioned that comic and I think we all said, oh yeah, that's the kind of thing that will be kind of written out of canon very soon. But because Kurtzman oh, is writing right. the show, I yeah. guess he's just like... Well, that's the story I came up with That's still what I think so, Yeah, because he's yeah. saying The Picard show Is like Picard Dealing with like The loss of The destruction of Romulus which Yeah, which is in, in this comic this.
1: Yeah, 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 Exactly So, so, so there's a new show That's coming out soon Yeah <laughs> yeah, so it got- it's taken <clears throat>
2: place Post-Nemesis And post-this Oh wow And it still got Patrick Stewart yeah
1: that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. new yeah, yeah. Picard cool, people show. are going to love that aren't they yeah. well, even I'm a bit it gives me a yeah, little yeah, tingle us they don't know yeah.
2: much more yet, He's yeah we know he's not active service anymore so he's basically retired or doing something else but it's all we kind of really know that it's. we know we it takes place those many years later it's like as yeah. of now don't know how many hopefully they TNG won't do what they, they
1: did with Luke Skywalker and they'll keep Picard you know nice and interesting <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> not turning yeah, into a man living on a rock
0: yeah that's a whole number of podcasts like like, um, But I, yeah I do think the way They drop in More and more TNG characters In this comic Is very like Oh it's, it's just like It's like
2: Turn the page And oh hello It's Tay turning
0: Oh it's war Well the weird thing is This <laughs> is <laughs> a, a, This is a four issue Miniseries collected Into a volume And the big cliffhanger endings Of both the first <laughs> And the third issue They're basically The same ending Aren't they it's just someone telling But them. it's basically The idea of A ship turning up up, and it's captained By a surprise Old character yeah. So at the end Of the first part It's Data Come yeah. to the rescue Captain At the end Of the third Data. part yeah. It's Worf Come to the rescue
2: And they're the same ending well, that's it's nothing like The mm-hmm. ending of mm-hmm. Discovery Season mm-hmm. 1 either Yeah Well yeah Exactly that's Exactly well, And the ship you know Turns up, And all characters Potentially Well yeah It's well, that, Kurtzman again Isn't it yeah. He's obviously he Loves he this he directs The first episode Of the new series Mike, Which I watched, just watched Today yeah, You just watched That have you
0: mm. Interesting Okay Um But, yeah, it's one of those things where I completely understand the criticisms. Um, However... Despite those being Total fan service Endings I still got a kick Out of them Yeah When I got to the <laughs> end Of the first chapter I was like And it was Captain Data I was like Oh it's Captain Data Great And then when I got to The end of the third part It was like Oh it's Worf turning yeah. up As the captain Of the Klingon ship And like, then there's oh, the bit Where it looks like They Worf. just killed Worf off And I'm like Oh yeah He's fine he's Nero fine. like Beats Worf to death Like he's he? stabs him Like Yeah yeah, yeah, goes right yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm like think, Whoa is this canon uh, Yeah I feel I was really upset By that Um <laughs> (laughs) It just seemed a bit... I mean, Nero... I find it a bit weird how he's portrayed in this because he's like a total good guy at first, isn't it? Yeah, it's like him and Spock teaming up to try and find the solution to the exploding Nova supernova mm. uh, problem and then you eventually find out why he hated Spock so much because he believes Spock abandoned his yeah. cause and let everything go wrong even though it's his own people, his own Romulan government that the, don't just, listen to them and yeah. decide to stay behind yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. the planet gets killed. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I must admit his motivations for me like reading that always have a real issue this happens so much in, (laughs) in narratives where something will happen like someone will die and they'll blame the wrong person and it's just so irrational that like, I'm just kind of like, why are you blaming them? Like, I don't understand, yeah. kind of thing. Like, yeah, and it happens time and
1: time, again, in narratives. Yeah, and, and com- comics and sci-fi do that a lot, I think. Yeah. And particularly with comics, because, you know, mostly it's, it's men, mostly men in underpants mm-hmm. fighting each other. Um, that's what most superhero comics are. And to get an excuse for them to fight each other, particularly good guys, there have to be constant <laughs> misunderstandings <laughs> yeah. of like, you've my brother, honestly, I didn't always have a fight. You just sat talked about them. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, how and many very boring conversation You know, boring comics if they were just
0: sitting around chatting. But how many classic comic covers are there with a hero holding their dead girlfriend or something and saying like, "You killed my love, coming," and someone would be like, "No, I didn't." Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, and most you know? team-up comics start with some yes! kind of like yeah, misunderstanding yeah, yeah. of like, "I thought you were the baddie that's why I punched you in the face." Sorry, no, obviously. <laughs>
2: I was happy to see the, these couple of panels here For off like that. Captain uh, Picard. Does enjoy a cup of Oh uh, Grey.
1: I mean, he is my captain. He's, always <laughs> he's, my, he's my era for Star Trek, and um, yeah, I've, I mean, he's flawless, isn't he? You can't go, you can't go wrong. He's every, he's everything a Star Trek captain should be.
0: I mean, everyone loves
1: Patrick Stewart, right? I mean, it's funny that
0: you were saying about how when the Picard show was announced, mm. you you are like, oh, actually that yeah exactly, good. and I, I think that was the reaction when the. the Absolute Everyone was mental like yep. yeah. Yeah, it, it was a it case of like so many people in. you think probably have never watched an episode of Star Trek since like one night at six forty five on BC two in nineteen ninety five or something like that were like, This is amazing. I can't
2: wait well he's, yeah. his profile has gone nowhere but up since that show ended like, yes. has it unlike, yeah, yeah 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 very like, true in it. Like, I mean, he's got gone into the X-Men series yeah, yeah. you know and there's just
1: and he's like, just put that to bed basically with Logan yeah that does make it quite rare as well because when people have really progressed way beyond the thing that, that almost made them famous and they're a really renowned actor sort of Shakespearean actor and, and done loads of stuff on stage the idea that they then go back to the show is really unusual which makes yeah, it a little bit more magical and special and and, nice. and, you know he just feels like he's a quality seal
2: of approval. If yes, yeah, yes, yes. like, he would
1: be doing, would be doing sets, it. in two sheds Yeah, exactly.
0: And he's so involved in the writers' room. Mm-hmm. It seems so. He's because really he's powerful. had such a great career. That, like you say, the fact that he's scored another massive franchise with the X Men films, which actually ended incredibly well with Logan. I mean, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, we waiting film. for a good waiting for a good X Men <laughs> for a long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, very. very that's true. probably the last very good true. one, right? Um,
2: oh, Dark Phoenix. Oh, yeah, no, no one's yeah. That. Yeah. Regular appearances On Family Guy Yeah like, And Dad Like um, his voice actors He's in Ted as well doing his Yeah that TV show He the lead on there. He was like, in the Blood Emoji talk. movie As yeah. a
1: shit yeah. He's yeah. done everything
0: He's, he's discovered <laughs> His comedic side Extras yeah. in re- Extras as well I mean, yeah. broke Like new ground there. So, yeah. I
2: mean people Were still thinking Oh great actor You know we love him As Professor X But that was the thing like, Oh he's funny too mm. And then there's Kind of bromance That has unfolded like, Over social yeah. media With like So now Heather. it's time To
0: see more Picard Because it's, it's been it, Over 15 it, years There's no better time and I mean, think about it, because obviously Ian McKellen, they're, they're best friends from their kind of days. If they bring McKellen on as a bad guy in um, the Picard show, and cling on, cling on, McKellen! Come <laughs> on,
2: come on! <laughs> oh man, but well, he's on Corrie. I mean,
0: he- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he agreed to be your correlation sheet, so it's got to happen, right? Let's move on to the final comic we're going to be discussing tonight. Bring it bang up to date. It's the first issue of Star Trek versus Transformers uh, from IDW. Now, the reason I chose this is not only is it a really recent comic, but also it's... There's a massive, massive trend at the moment for mental crossovers, which you never thought you'd see between licensed characters. There's so much of this going on at the moment. Star Trek is, you know, up amongst them. With they've had loads of crossovers with uh, X Men, uh, with Doctor Who in kind of comics. So I wanted to pick something up, and uh, this is uh, the Star Trek animated series era. Crew, um which is Kirk and Spark and all that kind of people, but in, a, in the seventies, the animated series style um, with the eighties generation one Transformers. It's pure cartoon crossover in both senses of the word. And they're
1: basically this. taking anything from anyone's childhood and stretching it, That's and exactly then punching it into the ground until they've ground every last dollar they can possibly get out of it in every conceivable way, and then they throw it on the big cultural tip. Having said that. <laughs> This was better than it needed to be, I thought Um, Like, the art of the Transformers Was lovely, and it has One of the best lines in all of Comic history, where Bone says Well, I'll be a deep-fried Possum on a stick Is weirdly specific. That suggests that at some point he's, he's had, had a deep that. pie, possibly.
0: <laughs> well, there's some lovely moments in this, isn't there? Yeah, Are, it I, also has Spock saying, "There's more to the situation than meets the eye." Ah, like well, well, that. Well, 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 there's a big double page splash panel um, on the second third page with the Star Trek characters suddenly seeing all the Autobots and Decepticons flying about Mm -hmm. with Sulu going oh my Uh, which is (laughs) absolutely wonderful Uh, this is a very cleverly this is Prime's Directive Uh, part one Uh, written by John Barber and Mike Johnson Uh, Mike Johnson did have a part to play in Countdown I'm afraid Uh, Paul. Oh, yeah. So, but he also... Is uh, well, no. He works for IDW. He wrote the Back to the Future comic, which recently uh, came out with Bob Gale was involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, original writer of uh, Back to the Future and uh, art by Philip Murphy, which very faithfully recreates the uh, animated
1: series yeah. style. If you really expected. couldn't fault it if that's what you've set out to do is get as close to the two different styles of cartoon as possible. They've absolutely yeah. nailed it. Yeah, it looks great
0: because you've got that alien crew member. What's his name? Oh, oh, the name? oh yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. From, he's, he's very much steeped in the man. animated And the, the and Chitara's lately,
1: is in she, it as well From yeah. Thundercat
2: <laughs> <laughs> One of her earlier
1: roles no,
2: we definitely, This guy definitely Is the one who yes. it looks it a bit like Yak Face uh, And yes I noticed there's, there's A very valiant attempt At writing out The transforming sound Which we all know But here it's like Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch
1: you not <laughs> there, there, that. That's as close As you're going to get Just take out Yeah mostly all the vowels A load of consonants together And you made the Transforming sound You see it and you know exactly Exactly what I mean. Yeah, that's like awesome.
0: Okay. But I think it's really good fun. I think, and I totally get the. Uh, We've not actually read many of these insane crossovers that they are doing lately. Um, they did uh, Big Trouble Little China meets Escape from New York <laughs> recently. Um, did they do Power Rangers and Justice League? Power
1: Rangers and Justice League. I mean, those are both good arguments for just stopping <laughs> making things. Maybe they should just stop. Maybe they've made. Maybe there's enough stuff now enough stories and enough things and I think by the time you get to Power Rangers meets the Justice League you should just stop making comics for a bit until you've got some new ideas just chill out everyone (laughs) like the gritty reboot of Wacky Races Punisher meets Archie just like just cut it out leave it be come up with some new ideas
0: <laughs> I mean there, there's so many of these at the moment oh, it uh that time, isn't it? yes that's right uh, <laughs> why ba- <laughs> why have they made
3: that stop it
0: <laughs> there's a lot of comics based on the uh, Batman Adam West TV series mm, at the moment they're all and right. they're, and they're doing loads of crossovers <laughs> they did one with Man of From Uncle one with uh the Avengers when I say the Avengers I mean He's Steed seen. and Peel yeah they did an Archie one um you know, so this is this is happening all over right But now. like
1: yeah, a lot of things, it depends cool. on who's writing it because those yeah, ones course. you just mentioned are quite good because they've got Michael Red and Ty Templeton who are both really, really madly in love with the things that they made. But they are they used a lot of the Hanna Barbera cartoon characters from the sort of sixties and seventies. DC have got them and don't know what to do with them, so they keep chucking them at superheroes. So you get like Deathstroke and Yogi Bear or, or you know <laughs> just horrible, horrible. Did you comics. read the Batman
0: Elmer Fudd one, which is the one everyone says is
1: like, it's amazing. literally the only good one of those things? That and yeah, It yeah, yeah. justifies, <laughs> almost justifies all of the others, <laughs> but not quite. <laughs> I read their crazy Flintstones one. DC has done it. One
2: in twenty is a is a hit then, as mm. say.
1: is it? A it's a, a one in twenty, rate. 20 hit rate, it's so you are gonna have to I mean there's always a bit of that with comics, a bit like listening to hip hop albums. I have to wade through a lot to get the diamonds, you have to dig deep. But um yeah, with those wacky crossovers, you know, you have to they the, very rare. DC have done a new Flintstones comic, which
0: is it's, it's interesting. That's well, but
1: that works yeah, together but Did it's taking
0: Flintstones and basically making it like a political satire like on ever it's really, really deep and kind yeah. of like yeah, it, it's 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 one of those things Where it's interesting And a good read But you're it's like It's proper funny Some of it It's nothing well. like Finstown what's, what's
2: that like Show that like um, The ra- uh, racist lady on it Like um, the Roseanne Roseanne Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: The old racist lady <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's favourite Old racist Yeah
2: you know that, would, that came back And tried to say We're going to Sort of give both views And try and be more balanced And you know Whilst you know I'm completely crazy over here But you know And that didn't last very long But maybe no. that's what They are going for In uh, Well maybe That only
1: but, didn't last very long Because you racist lady was racist <laughs> and everyone hang on that, that yeah, woman a the really racist we, we it, shouldn't give her a telly show because she's the way in which they got the spin off out without her on air was
0: miraculous really fast yeah. yeah I mean that's insane isn't it it's like that they pretty much just like... carried on but without her and changed but, us but us. I mean there again that, that is definitely something that kind of stands to what your point is of why have they done that yeah. Why do not they just go Well that's, that's dead then Not try and create The non-Roseanne Roseanne show <laughs> um, But back to Star Trek vs. Yeah, Transformers uh, Klingons, Klingons, team up with Klingons team up With Decepticons Star Trek vs. Roseanne yeah. There we go Now I'm on board It's perfect isn't it Klingons team up With Decepticons It's so obvious Like you know Further off from the sun I would read a yeah. crossover As well as that Third Rock from the Sun Well yeah. Star Trek With Star Trek yeah. Neighbours yeah. versus
1: Home and Away EastEnders yeah. versus yes. Corrie the Crossovers <laughs> will never end hey,
0: wait, Don't forget Don't forget about Doctor Who EastEnders Has actually happened Has it happened? It happened in 1993 it. For Children Need <laughs> Dimensions in But set within Canonised continuity <laughs> Dimensions in Time well, I was like Red Corrie with, Two, I'm gonna say no. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah well, exactly. Canada That's Canada. the EastEnders. thing, you think about it, it's more likely gonna affect dot two you than EastEnders isn't it? You can buy basically dot two you can buy anything. If in said they went after that, the next week's episode, How like, oh, do you remember? The, well no that I,
2: I love that if it was <laughs> canon free standards
0: where it's like, there's like 40 years of history and it's like remember that one time a time traveller came by we don't talk about it much yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. my wife so <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah forget that like uh, yeah he has got all the doctors at the time so the first seven uh, doctors although two of them were dead they were already really? at the time, well not the ones who were dead yeah. uh, they, they, appeared, the they appear in some very early bad CG uh, appearances as this was 1993 for the. 30th anniversary. Um, but the rest of them are all in it, appearing, all looking older and uh, more enlarged uh, than they were in their original <laughs> appearances. Uh, and they kind of just wander around Albert Square. And then the Rani turns up, uh, played by Kate Mara. And uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. It's fucking awesome. I'll definitely give that a watch. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, wait, it's that's all,
1: waiting for me on YouTube. Oh, it's available on YouTube. See, I used to, I, not that long ago. I'd mock when I'd see a, uh, somebody who was once a dashing young Doctor Who and now they've you know aged naturally and you know they don't look like they used to. But then I look at more recent music videos I've made compared to music videos I made ten years ago and I'm like, oh god, I'm just on the cusp of that now. It's terrifying. <laughs> Someone commented on one of my music videos oh, the other day no. I just discovered Professor Elemental and I watched all of his videos and I watched him age fifteen years in ten minutes. It was really <laughs> distressing. And then I did I'm like, oh God, the
0: years have not been cut.
1: Yeah. It's horrible. it's just like, you
0: think it's distressing for you, it's yeah. distressing I for me.
1: It's like,
2: like animating videos from now Yeah, exactly. <laughs> animating
1: puppets, basically. I'm going puppets.
2: Yeah, he's been more happy wore a hat throughout. Like, he's pulling it further down. Like, yeah, so get bigger so
1: and bigger
0: <laughs> uh, So yeah, the Klingons do team up with the Decepticons. Uh, Megatron turns around to the uh, Klingons and says, I am Megatron, leader of the Decepticons. If you despise humans, we have something in common.
3: That's going out. To which
0: the Klingons say, the humans are no right to be mining in this sector we attack them but a lucky blast from their defences disabled our ship so you know they're obviously going team up uh, it's good fun uh, um, have
2: we yet to see part 2 come out
1: or- part 2 has come out I haven't bought it um, but <laughs> it left me wanting more So you were very defensive yeah. of it a minute ago and saying how good it was and you <laughs> haven't even bought the <laughs> second
0: <laughs> issue
2: no, it's, it's going to the library <laughs> yeah.
1: it's a library um, comic Chats it
0: like. ends on a big cliffhanger so you know obviously uh, maybe well, I'll
2: get like the Italian with that truck
1: in it. Maybe I'll get the collector edition. No,
2: yeah.
1: um, you won't. Don't try and be kind. But, but overall... I think it was good fun Better than it better than it needed well, I, to be yeah. For
2: me that was a fun time Because I, I oh. You know Fun be damned like, I just feel like I'd, I've got no connection <laughs> I don't want to have fun <laughs> At all yeah. So that's that kind You're of not me. a fan of the, Even the early cartoon I never saw it like, <laughs> You didn't get the toys When you were a kid No no. Not uh-huh.
0: oh, even not <laughs> believe In toys <laughs> 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 They gave me a stick And a ball <laughs> Put me in a room <laughs> Well I mean I think Matt and I We're, we're fans of old school Transformers oh, yeah, aren't we yeah, yeah so what do you, you were a fan of this? Yeah, definitely. I want to see where it goes. And I think that the, the the possibilities for more team ups and the sort of characters that can cross on either side. Like, I like they've to They've done see. Star Trek Green Lantern, they've done that. Alright. You sound
2: fucking cool. yeah.
0: Injective
2: I mean, with that. Just... Well, I was thinking like, you know, who's the um, who's like the medic
1: transformer It's one of the main guys. Isn't it? I'm not sure
0: after we've just said we were fans yeah. of it. I'm not sure of it's,
1: this. It, uh, ambulance. Guy, yeah. ambulance guy meets well, he's Bones. He's miraculously not
0: an ambulance Tron, but it's like, yeah, he should meet Bones and like was screaming. I can imagine, like the one that turns into somebody.
1: a little, um, you know, microscope. <laughs> bones could have a look in there. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah Captain Kirk could press Science. play on yeah. sound waves stereo. I don't think <laughs> yeah, any yeah, of those yeah, are boys. good ideas, I think <laughs> they all sound awful. <laughs> We're all
0: done, basically. That's our little mini voyage through the Star Trek comics world. As I, I say, I mean, five-year mission. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this <laughs> so is, been our 5 mission. This is skimming the surface. Uh, there are decades.
2: To off the top of a nice uh, y- yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> decades of Star Trek comics available for you. Um, we haven't covered even kind of a sliver of them. I don't think this is just to give you a little taster of what they might be like, and we'll, we'll more give ourselves a little taste of what might be like will you be reading more Star Trek comics for?
2: I I think like the those motion picture ones like I quite like them, the, the, that Marvel era one
0: can I tempt you with the
2: gnomes issue I might the gnomes <laughs> it seems like uncharted <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah
1: that's a spin off I want to see yeah
2: well my, my wife is much more into graphic novels and comics as you know yeah, yeah she I mean, does so like it. what I've read actually a lot of those Batman ones is from her collection mm.
1: she's and, got, got Hellboy uh, on the shelf hasn't she she's has got she? Has yeah. some sign
2: Hellboy, and I think
1: wow. ooh, is it ready, ready for the, the new movie you're a lucky guy.
2: Uh, yeah, I am indeed. And uh, so, you know, the thing is, I, I know she loves gnomes as well, so I think a <laughs> chance will get her into these
0: through that. Oh, there you go. Fun for all the family. <laughs> Paul uh, uh, seems convinced about the gnomes as well. You're going to also
1: dive into Yeah, well, those. I will buy that one issue, <laughs> okay. and I will never read another Star Trek comic again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad to see uh, we. Uh,
2: unless they say professional
1: crossover into the university Yeah, if it. that ever happens, exactly. everything I just said. In this podcast <laughs> Is a lie And I am ready For that exciting New opportunity I mean to um, be I've honest had a, I've had a ball Reading them though And thank you For having me along Because um, it's been Delightful
0: oh, Thank you It's been an absolute pleasure Matt are you going to be Reading more Star Trek Right Yeah if you get them For me <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I see Listen, we'll, we'll fall back Into our that's relationship That's usually how Our yeah. comics relationship Works Just tell so, me What to yeah, read I mean, you know, I might, There might be some That I kind of Check out We'll, we'll, we'll see We'll see um, I mean, Especially in light like, If there's no more Movies on the horizon If there's there's more comic ticking over. Yeah. Definitely.
3: Yeah. yeah. I what I actually mean.
0: Is, maybe there'll be another countdown. Be there's definitely better. plenty of Star Trek TV on its way to, yes. You know, keep us busy in the comics meantime. set in the discovery world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I don't think they're doing those yet and you would mm. thought they would have done. So I'm sure they I'm will. at some too much point.
2: Much, discovery, yeah. Well. That's weird
0: considering it is genuinely really huge show. Like, uh, yeah. So maybe something to explore in the future. Um, Paul, where can we find
1: you online and your work as Professor Elemental? Um, If you go to professorelemental.com, you can see me larking about and I'm touring all over the world. So, yeah, I'm probably coming to your house soon, listeners. Uh, So keep an eye out for me. I'll be hiding in a bush outside. (laughs) Um, And also I do a Patreon thing where I give away loads of stuff all the time um, because I'm quite lonely and needy. And that's how I make my friends. So if you go to Patreon patreon and look up professor elemental i do loads of stuff there and it'd be lovely to meet you cheers oh fantastic
0: and you can find us at facebook twitter and instagram at spotlight pod um you already listening to the podcast so presumably you know where to find that come and chat to us on the social medias leave us some feedback if there's any star trek comics you think we've missed out on uh, obviously we will have yeah. missed out on plenty but if there's one star That you think are worth reading uh, that we didn't cover then definitely recommend I'd I'd really like to hear uh, that actually you can also leave us a five-star review at iTunes if you want (laughs) no pressure that's the only kind of review you're allowed to don't worry like you know um, please don't don't (laughs) leave us any comments (laughs) about how we've aged in the last two years since we started the
1: podcast (laughs) it's been so long Um,
0: but yeah no it's been really really great to have you. um, Paul along for this and it's been quite cool to chat uh, chat comic books with you I could do um, one day we'll have to chat some comic books that you actually enjoy (laughs) Um, I hate everything (laughs) (laughs) uh, there must be some (laughs) kind of way of working it into the podcast somehow (laughs) Uh, but until next time it's goodbye from all of us and we shall speak to you soon Um,
3: it will startle your senses Challenge your intellect and alter your perception of the future by taking you there. The human adventure is just beginning. Star Trek, a motion picture, rated G.